Shout out to Nana, who you might remember me saying in episode 1, used to bring us sweets and comics at the weekend, including the preview issue of Sonic the Comic! Hey boomers, welcome to another episode of Sonic the Comic, the podcast, your fortnightly guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic. We, as always, are your humes who think we're in charge. I am Chris McFeely. And I am Dave Bulmer, but oh, what's going on? We've got another Hume again. Again, we've got more Humes coming in by the barrel load. Who are you? So exciting. My name is Anna. I am the co-host of an etymology podcast called What's in a Name, which you can find at WIAN Podcast on Twitter. And uh, when we have a guest on us, we always like to ask them, Anna, uh, what brought you to Sonic the Comic and and the Hedgehog himself? So I came to Sonic pretty late. Uh, My friends played the games and very occasionally let me play, but most of it is just picking up the odd cultural reference over the course of my life and trying to piece things together from there. So I've got quite a jumbled image of what Sonic actually is. And I will have a lot of dumb questions for you today. <laughs> so you haven't read Sonic the Comic itself before, or no? This was my first time. Oh, very exciting! Oh, oh we finally have. I've wanted to get a guest on who just full on has never read this. Brand new, yeah. And you're and you're quite friendly, <laughs> so we can work our way towards actively hostile people. <laughs> oh, is that the aim? Is that the aim? Converting everybody, whether they like it or not. Uh, this is issue number 26 of Sonic the Comic, cover dated May 27th, 94, which means it came out on May the 14th, and uh, it's Britain's top video game comic. Yeah. Is it? What? Really? It's the top one? Mm, the top one. Not, wow. not the only, which I feel like it claimed on a previous uh, cover. Oh, so is this just <laughs> after Max Overload has started? Yeah, right? This is like, they now have to have to quantify their statements. This is a nice cover, right? Yeah, right. It's a lovely it's quite cover. A, Kirby-ish cover with those black it's, crackles yeah, in the background. I, right from the start, I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> why? Well, okay, here's the main one. So I always had it in my head, and I don't know why, that Planet Mobius was the shape of a Mobius strip. Oh, whoa. And that made sense to me, because then Sonic would be able to run in endless loops around it. But this huh. raises the interesting point that he could do the same thing on a sphere. That's Well, you could, <laughs> and, and he will. But he, he I think will. he does that next issue, doesn't he, Chris? <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good moment. I you know, I never thought about about that, but I would accept in a quirky animated version, mm. you know, an adventures or something, if they did a shot of the planet. I was gonna say it seems like a very adventuresy yeah. idea. I don't know where I got that from then. There's no canonical version where it was like that then. I don't think Not so. To my knowledge, but we okay. don't actually know that much. <laughs> no. 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 Could well in. be. <laughs> we only make this podcast so that other people will think we're very knowledgeable, yeah. but we're not. It's working. I mean, we it's know really about working. this. But... <laughs> as, a, as a listener, having never read the comic, I've listened to every episode, so you don't have you? Good. Right. Well, at least you're, you're warmed up for what we're going into then. You're not going in cold. Primed and ready. You are now the second person in about as many days who's told me that they've never read the comic, but have listened to every episode of the podcast. Yeah. That's a... What an interesting sort of behaviour that is. What can I say? Compelling humes. <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken to a few people who do, who've done the same, and it's uh, I, I consider it quite 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 an honour. Absolutely an honour. <laughs> thank you, Anna, and thank you everyone who does. Yeah, because yeah. That means you're listening for us, basically, doesn't it? And not for for the hey. comic, I guess. <laughs> not for the nostalgia, at least. <laughs> On this wonderful cover, it is Sonic. Just he's floating in space. It, it's not. It's sort of non-diegetic. He yes, can't do that. Really, not a literal cover. I was wondering. No. Yeah. So he needs oxygen, as far as we know. He, he absolutely needs it. 
Oh yeah, of course he does. Canonically. I mean, we say that, but, you know, if we take the obvious canon evidence of Sonic 2, where he rides a spaceship up into space just by clinging on the outside. Oh, no way! Perhaps he doesn't. So he does need oxygen, but only underwater. Only underwater. So he's in space, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it could be that the atmosphere of Mobius just extends really far. It could be. Could be. Also, it could be that um, if we're doing, if we're making up canon out of whole cloth, <laughs> yeah. maybe after collecting a certain number of rings, you're all right in space for a while. And ah. as Sonic Two has progressed, you've got mm. enough. That sounds could good. Be. That sounds, that right sounds to me. good. And it takes and and it takes the duration. It, they go away as you go through space, and that's why on the Death Egg, you ain't got any rings. None. <laughs> ah. Right. So. <laughs> We've got a cover, right? Where Sonic's yes, in space. The- he's presenting Mobius behind him and he's saying, check it out, dudes. The coolest place in space. Sonic's world. The secrets of Mobius inside. Funny that Sonic's world would get the cover on its second issue and not its yeah. first. But yeah. never mind. <laughs> this cover is by Mike Hadley and John Burns. Same creative team as on Sonic's world this issue. Uh, yeah, and the, that's all that's on the cover. Very straightforward, very low on strap lines, just telling us about Sonic's world. Even though we're about to go headlong into one of the biggest and most exciting Sonic stories yet that we're currently <laughs> now on part three of, that I've said before. Yeah, and it and isn't that one. 25 years later, I'm still mystified as to how it never got the cover on anything, but <laughs> Metal, metal flipping Sonic. What? <laughs> a go- how great would that cover have been? Metal Sonic tearing through. Just reprint that page from the yeah. previous issue. It was amazing. I wonder who's got that. Listeners, if you're the collector who has that original page of artwork, let us know. And do not tell us where you live. We'll be too tempted. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting to me that as the Sonic CD adaptation begins uh, in earnest, they directly mention here in the control zone that they haven't got round to Sonic 3 yet. Yeah. Uh, Looking back, I had no idea that Sonic Terminator was so late in the get, like that Sonic 3 was out when it started. And to some lucky boomers, it might even have felt outdated. And they're kind of covering that here by saying... What, um, what about Sonic 3? Where's Knuckles, the floating island, mm. and the new zones? And I'm like, it's coming. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, it's not actually very far away at all. But uh, No, but it feels like it is, doesn't it? Yeah, because at time At the time, it different. felt like an age. Yeah. <laughs> it did, didn't it? And the, But the way he says it is, uh, but what about the floating island, the new zones? And he says, chill out, dudes. Brackets. Sorry, I've just read the latest Sonic story. That is, that is some... <laughs> Some rote, like he doesn't talk like that in the city. He does on the cover, but not in the comic. It depends if Mark Miller's writing it or not. Yeah, but he isn't. <laughs> no, and that's issue, not, not no. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very um, brackets happy issue. Brackets and annotations <laughs> and asides are abundant <laughs> within this pan of this issue, I noticed. And we'll, we'll come to that. <laughs> um, my next note uh, is Burton here putting out feelers to see if multi-parters actually really are the way to go. Yeah. He's saying, um, if you like our extra long Sonic story, don't forget to write and tell us, brackets, or me, another brackets. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because we have the context now to know that they weren't initially in favour of them. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, th- this is the question that we have discovered from looking at Nigel's scripts that he's been very kind to send us in the mm-hmm. last couple of issues is that originally the five parts of the Sonic Terminator had five separate titles. Yeah. And I do wonder who whose decision was it to rename them, yeah. to give it, the, uh, give it the Sonic Terminator title. Did Kitching win an argument? Because he obviously didn't structure the five parts as a five-part story, as we've said before. The first two parts are completely separate thing about pirates did burton 
decide to give it a roll, use this as an opportunity to put the feelers out, as you say? Yeah, yeah. I've got the impression from the things that you've said in the past that there's been a sort of um, exploration of what their demographic actually is. So if they're mm. thinking now, perhaps we could skew a little bit older and reward a longer-term attention, that might be what they're yeah. trying for. Yeah, it might. Especially since they're doing Sonic's World, which is a sort of recap mm. lore thing, like, to yeah. fill you in. Yeah, it does. And you're right there. It does feel as if putting those two things together, especially, it's almost like saying, okay, yeah, for this kind of reader who likes that kind of comic with ongoing stories and background and stuff, hmm. here, here we go. Here's where we're starting that in earnest. The last thing is, speaking of those lazy humes, it's time for me to go and clean out their feeding trough. <laughs> Sinister. I did have a good hearty cackle at that line, <laughs> I have to say. I'll leave you with one thought. Watch out for Pirate STC! And then he just goes. Pirate STC, what could it be? Said there with all of the gumption of Peggle 2! <laughs> and, and everyone goes, oh, what? We didn't know what Pirate STC was, and we didn't really know no, that we'd we already seen a teaser of it. Not really, no, no. I, I don't know if we'd started... Well, we, we, we have another one coming mm-hmm. up in this issue, but uh, I don't know if we... I, I have no memory of whether or not we'd put it together yet that this is you know that yeah. that, that was what we had seen the hints were there yeah but, uh... i've got to say seeing it for the first time i love megadroid's signature at the end here it looks <laughs> it looks yeah. so preteen graffiti and i'm super into that like, that could be scrawled on the back of someone's math book no trouble yeah it's like everything <laughs> is made up of distinct strokes yeah i'm really only looking at it now for the first time you know but it's like the way that each letter has been drawn it, it's like the, the m crosses over yeah. in the middle so it's like two yeah two it's lines not angular meeting. it's not robotic but it is sort of mm. scratchy and pieced together carved mm. into a table i swear you could see where he lifted his i was going to say pen but perhaps knife or <laughs> implement <laughs> and and started the second part of the letter that intersects with the first if he's got a knife and if he's get, getting the humans to eat out of the feeding trough i'm just i'm terrified for what <laughs> condition they might be in are they safe do we know for sure they weren't being held captive big dipper winners yeah this is the folks. results of that um huge contest from what was it issue issue Ages 16 ago. God, feels like so long yeah doesn't it point. Yeah. is that the one giving away uh pinball machines that you wanted to get off ebay and stuff yeah that was one of them yeah. wasn't it yeah the, this is the one that had the the mountain, mountain quest, the quest, vertical one the combat well, yeah. thing yeah and uh and the cuddly toys and some water wizards. What are they? Are they the oh, little... Yeah, that was the bigger version. Oh, the bigger the, version. That was the fat version of the little tube. Oh, so better than a water fun game. <laughs> yeah, it's a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's just literally a, a list of... A very list in a very tiny font of uh, just a bunch of names. Millions and millions of names. That, uh, not that ticks up that. the whole rest of the page. I scanned them. None I recognise. And then there's just, uh, as seen last issue again, the good reading guide tucked away down in the corner reminding us that poster mag number four is on sale now. Mm, and you've probably heard an episode about that already. The Anything in the charts this week? Just Sonic 3 riding high as I hope will remain forever. <laughs> it's a non-mover at number three. But look at that PGA European Tour Golf re-entering in at number oh. two. What happened there like? How does that happen? Well, especially since it seems to have re-entered nudging FIFA away. Yeah. The mighty FIFA. I mean, was it packed in with something? Did they do a budget re-release? Yeah, and then below that is Not Bothered Actually Jam. (laughs) (laughs) I always wondered what that stood for. (laughs) And Sensible Soccer. So yeah, Sonic's in... He's he's keeping the sports guys down. Ha ha ha! Finally, it's our turn again. 
Then Aladdin, and then good old Zool and James Pond 3 at the same place at number 7, and then Micro Machines Mortal Kombat Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition. I just thought I'd read the rest of it out, in case anyone's interested. Sure, we haven't done it for 26 episodes, why not? I have an extremely limited um, experience of most of these games, but I did love Aladdin. Yeah, that wasn't was a lot it? Of fun. Yeah. Used it's to get to play really on my friend's good. Mega Drive sometimes, and it was mostly Sonic and uh, and Aladdin. Yeah, no. And Taz, yeah. oh, loved Taz. Oh hell yeah, Tasmania! <laughs> right. <laughs> I need to get onto that. Playing so good. on a friend's Mega Drive was how I first played yeah. Sonic yeah. and Tasmania. Yeah. First games I ever played. I can't vouch for Tasmania. I'll take both of your words for it, but certainly Sonic and Aladdin were prime round a friend's house games. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I have actually. I've got actually. I've got a tape. And maybe I'll dig it up and put it up on the Twitter. I've got a tape of me round my friend's house playing Aladdin while he... And I'm trying to record the music, but he's going on and on and on about the uh, the background information behind how the game was developed because he's obviously just read about it in Mean Machines or something. He's talking about, you know, Virgin and how they, you know, had to... He's talking about how they had to get different deals in place with different corporations and stuff. It's like, yeah, thanks. I'm listening to one jump ahead. <laughs> Very annoying at the time, but uh, of historical interest, no doubt. Exactly. It would make it, it's now makes it a better tape, so I may put that up. <laughs> yeah. Get that up there, put that on the Twitter. Yeah. Mm, I found it. It's not much to listen to. It's very distorted. The batteries on my tape recorder are obviously running low, and you can't hear a thing anyone's saying. He's it does contain this moment of pure 1994 childhood, though. The Sonic Terminator Part 3, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Steve Potter. A distress call from Amy summons Sonic to Never Lake, where he discovers that she has been kidnapped by Metallics, the Metal Sonic, a robot duplicate of Sonic created by Dr. Robotnik for the sole purpose of destroying the cool blue one. Sonic engages his doppelganger in... <laughs> Sonic en- You love that, don't you? You love the jargon! <laughs> Sonic engages his doppelganger in battle, and though he initially appears to defeat him, the unstoppable Metallics quickly reboots, seizes Amy, and withdraws, goading Sonic to follow him to the Miracle Planet, the mysterious little world that orbits Mobius, which Robotnik has covered with his evil machinery! So the cliffhanger from last issue completely ignored. Yep. Yep. But but never mind. Never mind. Yeah, well, I, I think that can be taken as background information. He has destroyed the Emerald Hill Zone now. They're all having a terrible time. Oh, wait. Okay, but, but every- we open in Sonic's underground base underneath That's the, the Emerald, Emerald Hill, Hill Zone. Zone. So. Yeah. yeah. Just chilling out. Yeah. Playing some video games. Yeah. I was very tempted to read part one and part two to sort of further prepare myself, but I thought, nah, you know what? They've come to me for ignorance. Ignorance is what they're going to get. <laughs> so I've gone in at the deep end on this one. No, I mean, generally speaking, you're really fine as not having done that, <laughs> because the, the only relevance it truly has is that one gaping contradiction. And hey, people would have picked this comic up off the shelf as their first one, so you can be one of those yeah, people. Yeah. yeah. But we do open in, well, a new angle on the underground base. Yeah, we haven't seen this this angle of it before. Because there's a gigantic clunch. <laughs> That's not a word. Or is it? It sounds very unpleasant. But there's a huge <laughs> clunch 
of machinery in the middle of the room that we've never seen before. I don't think we see it again. It seems to consist of a some kind of a giant, like, laser-focusing... I Oh, no, mm, I, I read that previously as a big lens, but actually it's got metal bits in it. It might still have a lens in the middle. Uh, it's just a big collection of Kirby Tech classic big piles of machinery. Being operated by a pig. I do feel that's <laughs> worth noting. Porker Lewis is the tech guy. But, uh, <laughs> Dave, did you notice? Oh. Did you look in real close at Porker? Uh, oh, my word! He's got fingers! He's got his fingies! Oh. Does he not normally have fingers? He has normally had trotters up until trotters. this point. This is the oh final evolution of Porker Lewis now. <laughs> oh. He's got his handies. Congratulations. What if- Big day for the pig. I'm waiting until we see his fingers because he's a tech guy. He could have built himself robot gloves. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> they, the, the the fact that they are so far in the background here, it does make them look a kind of metal grey, and it They're does sort almost of gray. look in That's this one panel it, yeah. like they could be. But as I, re- I mean, I think he he's just wearing the standard, yeah. the standard American cartoon white gloves that Sonic and, and Tails and Johnny are all wearing too. They, they've just come up looking a little greyish there. Well, until he ever goes fingerless, but You, you want to see gloveless Porker. You want to get a yeah. good look at Porker's ungloved hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Sonic's feet. <laughs> the close-up from the issues where he's contemplating all the things he's done. These hands. These filthy hands. I mean, that is not too far removed from what winds <laughs> really? up happening oh, to Porker later on tuned. in the course of this comic. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Okay, so to some pretty bad places. But that's only part of what we've got in this. So we've also got um, the the main focus is Sonic sitting in a little gamer chair, and he's got a Mega Drive, and he's playing what is ostensibly Mario World on it. It's the new Marxio Brothers game. Yeah, and uh, to go to the script here. Um, this is how Nigel described this. Um, Sonic is sitting playing a video game on one of the computer terminals. It is a Marxio Brothers game. Richard, I know you know the Mario Brothers pretty well, so <laughs> make it a parody of one of the recent games. <laughs> well, it's got a big bullet bill in it. And yep, that's, the giant, uh, that's the, and a pipe. The, the giant one from level one of Mario World. Is that called a bullet bill or was it called like a big oh, bullet bill or something? You've... You've just uh, soared beyond the scope of my Mario knowledge, Dave. Sorry, <laughs> I left the side down there. I made it appear like I knew what I was talking about, and you cut the legs out from under me instantly. <laughs> Listen, I'm a Mario fan boy, and I should know what this is, and I don't. Well, and there's, there's three meeple-shaped figures on the screen, and he's saying, who cares about the adventures of three electricians? Ah, I get it. <laughs> I see what he's doing. I mean, it's subtle, but I picked it up. I'm sort of quick like that. Presumably the Marxio Brothers game must be something to the tune of uh, Lost Vikings then, if you have all three of them on screen at once. Oh, <laughs> goodness me, you're right, yeah. There you There's the deep knowledge. Oh, <laughs> Dave Gibbon level gaming knowledge there, Chris, well done. It's a Banzai Bill, by the way, I've just found out. Banzai Bill, there we go. Anyway, this is an awfully long amount of time to spend on the first panel of a seven-page story. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so that's what's happening. The end of that. There's also burgers and stuff, and there's a parody McDonald's logo. As an, an N, did anyone. Is that just a generic parody letter, or does it stand for anything? Nintendo, maybe? McDonald's. McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> Nintendonald's. He's, he's drinking a 
coca as well. Yes. <laughs> this isn't something Nigel really did a lot, this the um the whole Sonic likes junk food thing. That was a bit more of an early Sega thing that Mark Miller played up a lot, but you didn't see it a lot from, from Nigel. No. He did make a reference to wanting an extra large Coke last issue too. That's just something we all wanted as kids. Yeah, I'd like one now. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, imagine. <laughs> imagine I have I've been off fizzy drinks, not even deliberately, I've just grown up a bit and gone off them and I haven't had one in months and months and months, and now I want one. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I'd one right now if, it, if I didn't know it would turn this into a very windy podcast. Great big burpy <laughs> fest. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I don't, mind you, actually, at this time, I wonder if I was... I, I was one of those kids who couldn't drink fizzy drinks for a very long time because they were too fizzy. <laughs> oh, God, you're such a delicate, delicate flower. I was. I'd be like, yay. <laughs> I don't know when I got over that. But no, I was drinking Coke by this time. I was going into town and getting a a delicate little mini can. But only the tiny cans that you could get from Woolworths, right? Because you couldn't couldn't handle a big one. That was, you needed two hands to take. I'd never get through it. I'd never get through it. One time, about a year after this, or two years, whenever we were about 13, 14, um, a friend had a birthday party at Laser Quest or whatever the Leicester version of that was. And we went there and I bought a can out of the machine because I was 13 or 12 or 14 or whatever I was. And I'm like, Num, I'm drinking a Coca-Cola. Num, 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 num. <laughs> and then it was time for us to go in. And I was like, I've only got like a, a quarter through this because of my, my delicate little sips. <laughs> so I so I, I, I hid it behind the can machine. And sure enough, it was still there when I came out to finish it off. <laughs> there you go. You beat the system. Yeah. <laughs> I would never do anything like that now. The and a, a delicate little sips of a child who's just come in from playing in summertime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With my little finger sticking up. Both hands around the cup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to... Well, actually, okay. So since we're doing this, I used to <laughs> I used to drink cans in a weird way back then anyway. Here's what I used to do, right? I'm not surprised. I, mm-hmm. And, I w- and it did involve holding it with both hands. First off, you, Jesus, you, I was joking. You know how you know how when you pop the ring pull on a can, you go like, mm. you go like, there's two stages yeah. to it. Yeah. I would yes. just do the first one. I would very gently, just uh, almost l- like just get a nail under it and just lever it slightly. So it went, so there's just a little hole, and then. Hold no, it just, just before we This is in the. This is after they had brought in the full pull down, fold back ones. This is not back in the day when we were pulling them off. Oh, I don't remember those. So oh, I must no, have. I, I must not have been on cans at that time. Days. You must not have yeah. been on the cans. No, nope. no. This was the modern tinnies. style. The modern style can. So you just pop the first bit, then holding it with both hands, vibrate my hands very, very, very gently, but just like back and forth, so that. It would just start to froth up. The first froth would then enter the 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 like the what do I mean the rink that is the top of the can <laughs> with its sticking up perimeter and the, the froth... dirty bit of the can that you, that I hope you wiped yeah. off before you no. did this. No, and the and the froth would go on there, and then I'd be like, ah, oh, delicacy. Ah, uh, that is fascinating. <laughs> that is fascinating. Like you're just dipping your beak into the nectar, like yeah. a hummingbird. <laughs> yeah, because then you could. Because I was one of these, uh, one of these kids. There may only have been me. Who <laughs> was just, just the one day? Yeah. I could, I could make a single pack of any sweets last multiple days because it would oh, go in the mouth. You mutant! It, it would not stay normal. there, and it would not get chewed, and it would not get crunched, no matter what it was. Fruit pastels, you can't help it. 
I believe that <laughs> marketing would imply otherwise at the time. I was. I, I, I get it, despite the brilliance of the song and the fact that I've since covered it to great enjoyment of my own. I yeah, I did not. I, I disagreed with that advert because I would not chew. Because if you chew them. They're gone straight away. You don't get the taste the, goes away. It's an actively more enjoyable experience, though. It is correct. I've I since remember. I remember making Smarties last as long as I possibly could. Oh yeah, you. It can taste of chocolate for a good off, long while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, I did. I uh, went through a phase of sucking fruit pastels. <laughs> but we can still make fun of Dave for it. But then I got normal. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. 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 <laughs> Right, so, so that's panel one. So panel two. <laughs> this is what SDCTV is all about. We're going to gradually phase out the Sonic stuff. Yeah, we'll just You're come okay. and talk about fruit pastels and tiny cans from Woolworths for our every fortnight. So when we wrap this up tomorrow, we'll have had such yeah. a good time. Yeah. All right, so that's happening. <laughs> and then Amy comes in on the video phone and goes like, help him at Never Lake and the metal hand covers it up there's all feet well i always read that he's hitting it so hard with his hand that it goes all fuzzy but actually it's just as fuzzy in all the previous ones just to show that it's a video phone uh, well i mean it is but then he says johnny says someone smashed amy's transmitter so this mm. is obviously the, the moment before the hand comes in and it goes and cuts out yeah yeah, yeah. i do love I, I i feel like this next bit is pretty infamous where, you know, Johnny turns around and Sonic has disappeared already and there's a note and a pencil hanging in midair in the frozen <laughs> moment that's just that Sonic has let go of it. And Sonic has written a note that says, Dear guys, no star posts at the Never Lake, so I'll have to leg it, see you there. But there's an asterisk next <laughs> there's to star a, posts. a diegetic asterisk, asterisk written like in the Sonic. handwriting of Sonic. I found that fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely. Because that suggests that he's aware of us. Sonic <laughs> has left us that little footnote. Yeah. <laughs> Sonic uses the star post for transporting between zones, Megadroid reminds us. Yeah. But um, as we have said before, Sonic the comic loved an asterisk in a footnote, and we are <laughs> we are in it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they yeah. will only grow more numerous. I mean we've we've come out the back end of Shinobi reminding us every issue what Harrogay is. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes Harry Guy. Uh, that too. But we can't see the bottom of the page. It's cut off. So maybe Sonic did put asterisk. Yeah, done at the I bottom. use that I to use transport the stream zones. That's <laughs> <laughs> a reminder, guys. It just gives you forgot. Johnny's like, yeah, yeah we, we know. Oh, I had a question. Mm. What is the weirdly humanoid rabbit called? Johnny Lightfoot. Johnny Lightfoot, okay. Yes. Good. And Weird. he has progressed over the course of the comic from looking just like a rabbit to looking like a guy... A humanoid rabbit. Is he a tiny bunny? Yeah. Because now he's a man in a rabbit mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit unnerving. This is why in those early episodes I was going like, I choose to call this one Johnny Lightfoot. Because they were just <laughs> yeah. rabbits. So uh, what follows this as we see Sonic arrive up at Neverlake is essentially a sort of, and this is the cool part, a sort of reshuffled, dramatised version yes. of the opening cinematic of yes. Sonic CD. <laughs> Isn't it? It's so cool, mm. and with with a couple of extra story beats going on yeah. during it, like the movie version. They move a few things around, like uh, yeah. in the animatic, Sonic runs across the landscape to Neverlake, and as he gets close, then there's all these rocks that are being kicked yeah. up by uh, by the. It seems to be like by the orbit of the Miracle Planet, or, or so, yeah, I, it yeah. might just be it might just be by chance to show him dealing with obstacles mm. and being acrobatic. It's 
Yeah, it's not clear why it happened. But here he arrives at the at the lake, sees the miracle planet all metallic, and uh, and then uh, Metallics attacks, and Metallics is the one who then throws all those mm. rocks at Sonic. So he does all the jumping over and the diving and the running on them, and then like at the end of the fourth page, it looks like one's gonna hit him, but then he burrows through it just like in the animatic as well. Yeah, it's yeah, and I didn't get this at the time because I hadn't played Sonic CD, and I only know you know now and in later years I only realized after seeing Sonic CD and playing it what this had been in reference to. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah, same. I didn't realize that either. So we see the the Miracle Planet and Chris, this is the sort of thing you already know about, so you may know this, but this is straight up taken from Marvel. This is or is it DC? DC you're thinking of. Yeah, the fire pits on the surface do look like something out of Again, Jack Kirby's Fourth World. Jack Kirby coming up a uh-huh. lot this this issue already. It was three times for some reason. Yeah, because I don't think the the planet has the fire pits on it in the game, does it? It's all metal, but it doesn't. Nigel's quite specific about this. He says in the script, "The Miracle Planet is covered with twisted, gleaming metal. Think of Kirby's Apocalypse." Ah, Once again, go, this yeah. scene is in ah. the cartoon intro, and I I looked up Kirby's Apocalypse, and I'm pretty sure this is the actual drawing that Richard was looking at. There, he's put the. It doesn't say to put the fire pits in. Uh, in the script, but he's put them in, and, and sure enough, there they are. Uh, I'd say that's almost assuredly not the drawing in question, because that is not a drawing by Jack Kirby. But um, <laughs> Oh, and is that from later? Well, no, no, however, that is not to say that that drawing was not made before this comic. I just know that it's not a drawing by Jack Kirby. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it's the reason I flagged up that one is that not only do the pits look the most similar to any other drawing of Apocalypse, the planet, that I could find... But also, it has the roads made out of, like, angles and triangles that Richard has drawn here, which other drawings of it don't seem to have. Oh, well, that could be, then. So if that is uh-huh. pre-issue uh, 26 of STC, then I, I still think that's probably the picture. Who even knows? I, I mean, I don't know what that's from, offhand. Who knows? Uh, you, you couldn't just go on the internet and... Nope. Google Apocalypse in 1994. Exactly, so. so it's just down to what Richard happened to have lying around. Whatever yeah. he had handy, yeah. So this metal and machinery, is that not normally how the Miracle Planet looks? It is not. It's normally just a nice little uh, little green planet. Yeah. And, uh, is it is it green Sonic. in the intro, or is it metal in the intro? It's metal by the, yeah, by the time he gets there in the intro, yeah. Yeah, because, no, it's supposed to be a nice little green planet, but the in the game, as in the comic... The story is that Robotnik has done it has something. Been corrupted. Has cyberformed it. Essentially. Okay. Yes. Uh, we did note it last issue, but I double checked it um, afterwards that, uh, yeah, we know it as the Miracle Planet, but it was called the Little Planet in yes. Japan. And it was also called the Little Planet in America. Yep. In the, even, huh. in, even, even in the English manual, it seems that the name Miracle Planet is a. It's not fair to call it a mistranslation, but a, a misinterpretation of some text from the Japanese manual that refers to it as a planet of miracles. Right, right. But um, as we said before, it's a much better name. Much better name. It's so Such much a good cooler. Name. It's a world where miracles happen is essentially the idea behind it. But here it's as if the whole planet itself, the idea of a planet that mysteriously disappears and reappears. Yes. And no one knows where it goes. It's miraculous. It is. Oh, that I, is I very mean, cool. It's, it's a much better name. You get the sense that, you know, eons ago, the people looked up at this planet materializing in the sky and called it the miracle planet back then. Yeah. I like that. Also, I can't remember where I came upon this either knowledge or assumption but 
I get the sense that it's not normally supposed to be chained to anything, let alone a Robotnik-faced uh, rock, and that's, that's <laughs> right. Robotnik has done that. That strikes me as yeah. odd. I think the idea from the game again is that, yeah, Robotnik chains it to the planet to keep it from To keep it there! Oh, to keep right, it there, I think. right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Further yeah, yeah, yeah. perverting um, it as a, as a whimsical Edenic planet. Yeah. Isn't it weird that the American version called it the little planet correctly when that same manual called Amy Rose Princess, Princess Sally. Sally? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that that obviously was a deliberate choice to try a and marketing synchronize thing, yeah. their weird <laughs> up version of Sonic. Yeah. I do like that British Sonic is a, its own entity, very much so. Yeah, but yeah, the chained up planet is such a. I I, I almost wonder if it's from some previous manga or something because it's such a good visual. It's yeah. so so original. It's such a good idea. I mean, there was a reason that this story and its iconography yeah. were so exciting at the time, you know. And yeah. we would see the Miracle Planet many times again over the course of, uh, of Sonic the Comics history. The chain not stopping it from disappearing, <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> as it would turn out. Because hmm. it would remain chained to the planet even after they uh, solved this problem. Yeah. Speaking of iconography, right, so we've got the planet chained to the Robotnik-faced rock, which... Uh, uh-huh. Nigel refers to as Mount Rushmore style in the script. We've got Amy. The thing that she's trapped on, the story here is that she's been trapped on this chimney rock, this really thin Mm. thing that she can't climb down from because it's too tall and it's too thin. It's just big enough for her to stand on. And, And of course, that is in the intro. Sonic stands on it and does a really cool pose. And Nigel's oh, yeah. used it here as as storytelling. So Sonic cuts some steps up it, which isn't from the intro. That's new. And then... Because well, Amy's not up there in the uh, in the intro. Sonic's just come to the Miracle Planet to just check it out yeah. and finds it like this. And Amy follows him there because according to the Japanese manual, I think it's something like tarot cards or something. Something to do with tarot cards, yeah. Her there to ha- yeah. So she's not from the Miracle Planet. No, she just follows him there. And then, like, in the American manual, where she's Sally, she follows him to Never Lake. And then they're still on Mobius when Metal Sonic comes in and snatches her. Whereas in the game, it's on, what, at the end of the first zone, isn't it? Yeah. He snatches her. Yeah. So then we have this page where, yeah, Metallics is throwing the rocks, the rocks from the intro. And it's amazing. It's a really good page. You've got... So the way the way it works is you've got one big, long panel at the top of him throwing the first rock. And then... (laughs) And then a grid of six small action panels of basically Sonic jumping over or or avoiding each rock as Metallics throws another one every alternate panel. And during this, Richard is doing a very subtle zoom in on Metallics each time he throws Mm, one that just gives it just slightly. Isn't it? It it, it really carries the, the movement of it, the action of it. And Sonic is jumping over the first two in a different way each time. And then for the last one, he just zizzes his legs. He just runs really fast. And Richard has tilted that rock up. You can feel yeah. the physics of how Pushed Sonic is it, yeah. affecting this thing and making it zip round. Oh, mm, oh it's, it's so great. Yeah. Can I just say as well how impressed I am by Metallic's networking skills? <laughs> because that's what, what you, you need is a really strong introduction you need to say who you are what you do and what they can expect from you uh, and he says i am metallics the metal sonic i serve the great robotnik and i am your destruction yeah which follows there. the pattern of my name is inigo montaya you killed my father prepare to die <laughs> yeah so there you go networking skills from metallics there I suppose a robot would have good networking skills wouldn't he <laughs> 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 Ha <laughs> ha
so uh, apart from the last issue glimpse this is our our real first look at metallics in action and it's immediately very obvious what the british version of this character is about specifically and because it's important to stress the british character i can't we've we've chatted about this a little before but i don't remember how much of it has made it it into finished episodes about the the myriad depictions of metal sonic and the Mm -hmm. way different people latch on to different things about him Mm. and it's like to a lot of americans whose exposure to the character is from like uh the the ova yeah their image of the character is like you know sonic's dark twin before shadow was a thing Uh, and you have that bit in the ova where there can only be one sonic the hedgehog so a lot of of american fondness for, for metal sonic is this unique robot mimicking life that you know will you show me what is kiss? <laughs> the, the kind of robot learning its own humanity, struggling with it, whatever. None of that horseshit for us. No. No, he's pointy. He's got red eyes. There's a reason the story is called The Sonic Terminator. Yeah. He is the Terminator in Sonic yeah. form. He is implacable, unstoppable. You knock him down, he just gets back up again. He calculates everything in percentages. Uh, we never get a beep, 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 Terminator vision style <laughs> thing, which seems like a missed opportunity uh, for, yeah, for, yeah. This, for the this depiction of the character. But um, that is to, and has always been to me, and I'm sure to you as well, Dave, what Metal Sonic is. He's not some... Yeah. He's not a unique... He's not a character unto himself. He is a force. No, he's a machine. He is coming, and, and you better get out of the way, because he's get coming. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, we'll hold off on going into any more detail, but obviously many, many issues down the line, 30, yeah. 40 issues down the line, they push the the implacable robot force even further and take it in an even more yeah. British, yes. culturally inspired direction that if the idea was not cemented in your mind already, that did it. So one of the things I was really impressed by was the onomatopoeic sound at the end of the fight here. Because on this one page, we've got Bacow, Bacram, Vip, Thum, <laughs> Crack, Kapok, and Scratch with a K and three H's. That is commitment. <laughs> I admire that. Yeah, I, I did. When I was reading over this, I didn't think I'm having someone with a, a words podcast coming on. This. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to like these. I love a good sound effect. I absolutely love them. I love them. They're so um, visceral. <laughs> Something about it feels very 90s to me. I don't know if that's just because that's when I saw this sort of thing more often, but it's using all the cool letters, isn't it? All the Vs and Ks. Yeah, they, they never <laughs> just went with, you know, bang. No, no, they can do better. <laughs> or even boom. <laughs> On a technical level, as lettering, I've never found them especially impressive. Um, they're They're all very uniform. They look very... I don't know if they were, but they look very computer-generated. Because this five-parter, or at least these three first three parts of it, these have been lettered by Steve Potter, who uh-huh. does not normally do the Sonic strip. You know, it's normally Aletifel or Ellie DeVille does the Sonic strip. And he has a, a very small, orderly, rounded style to his lettering. And, and that's just how the sound effects look. It's the same font, but but um, angled and, and curved and shaped. So it's it's all a bit uniform. But I like the words, but I've seen better lettering, technically. The the actual speech bubble lettering itself is fine. I've just been talking about Metallics throwing those rocks. Mm. When he throws the last rock, you've I've already described the, the, the page layout with its big mm. long picture, then the six grid, but then there's another long picture, and it's one final rock going so completely indelibly towards Sonic that there's nothing he can do to jump over it. And there is a line there in the script where Sonic says, now that baby's got my name on it. 
But <laughs> the the letterer or the editor must have taken one look at this page and gone like, you don't need that. That undermines no. the moment because <laughs> this picture is... It says everything about that. It's so dramatic. The colour is so... He almost starts colouring it like it's an explosion just to yeah. show how dramatic mm. it is. And so, yeah, we, we lose a line there and it's for the better. Absolutely. Yeah, and then good as, call. And then as there... It's not... I, I can't think... Silent panels were definitely not a thing in this comic. Again, whenever yeah. you only have seven pages to work with, there's a lot of information you need to communicate. But... Um, it, to be honest, to be even to be able to spend a whole page in this issue of Sonic dodging rocks is a is a That's is a it. luxury. Yeah, because it means that the the only dialogue on that page is the "I am metallics, you killed my father, prepared to die," and that, <laughs> yeah. that having established that we're about to go into a, a a basically it makes it the comic's first almost scary fight scene or like <laughs> that you take seriously as that camera's panning towards metallics. You're like, ah ah, what's happening? For really the first time in the whole series. I mean, we were already taking it seriously like two issues ago I mean, when we, we knew were. it was coming, so this is the payoff. I love this. He, he does his bit where he's like, termination of Sonic. I've never had a voice from Italics. No, you? no. Just an echoey, tinny version of Sonic's voice, I reckon. But that doesn't sound right either. Yeah, because Sonic's voice you know, is too, too sassy. Yeah, because, again, there's this one of those things. It's like This does not in any way play up. Him as a, as a Sonic's dark opposite. Mm, that's you know? fair. Well, the thing is, I, Robotnik's trying to make the scariest robot Sonic he can here. So I think it's got a scare as scary a voice as he can make. So I think it is a kind of termination of Sonic. You know, I think it's got a certain rasp to it, and a it would be mm. all digitally <laughs> up. But they're so he's so cold and dispassionate that I can't imagine the screeching voice mm. of a Dalek ever. No, ever, not a Dalek. Fitting. Daleks well, are too. That was a very low. That was kind of a low pitched Dalek. What you. There, yeah, but but Daleks are too camp because <laughs> they have that. Yes. They are saying words. <laughs> Termination of Sonic, ninety-eight percent positive and rising. They all sound like they could be called Nigel. <laughs> yeah, this would be more. Termination of Sonic. Mind you, I tell you what, the one that I did. Oh, that's good. The one that I did have in my head was uh, once I'd heard the soundtrack. You've got that, you know, you can't do anything, so don't even try, kind of thing. Oh, the old uh, Hartnell Cyberman approach. <laughs> sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it never quite that never quite sat well either i thought that was the official yeah. voice but now i think about it it was probably just a silly voice they put in the music for no reason no i've never got there with him i don't know so uh, anyway anyway i guess there's no point trying so what else i'll just read the line he says termination of sonic 98 percent positive and rising and then sonic explodes out of the rock burrowing through it buzzing through it and he goes but that two percent is all i need and then you get this fight which amy is just we we see the fight through amy's eyes she's cowering over <clears> at the rocks and we just get to see the two of them ping zip boosh, all over this whole canyon the rock the, the well, chimney we don't rock. see them no we we, that's the it speed lines we see the speed lines exactly. and the after effects you can't see them they're just traveling between little explosions and the chimney rocks are being either sliced up or the um, impacts are so hard that they're basically bouncing up and and separating up the weight oh, yeah. of everything is is so clear can i talk about amy for a second yeah always so when i was the age i would have been when these came out you know you look for female representation in comics you want to know if something's being targeted at you right mm. i gotta say so far all i know about her is she gets kidnapped and she watches fights yeah yep yeah we have on, talked girl. about this you can on do better. episodes yeah. that haven't come out yet these first mm. couple of issues are a bad look for amy yeah because she is like some 
Sonic gets kidnapped. It's all she's got going. And there are there are have been moments in the last two issues, definitely last issue, where we that's where she got she really got in the thick of it for the first time mm. and didn't have to be kidnapped. Uh, that was like yeah, last issue was the first issue in which Amy was not kidnapped since her introduction five <laughs> five issues ago. Um, Goodness me. She's the football a little bit, isn't she? Yeah, um, but they know it's a bad look, and they're trying to do these little moments here and there to really yeah. to give her agency. No, it's completely absent okay. in this comic. No argument there at all. They're they're bound by what the game yeah. has going on in it here. Amy I must see. be kidnapped because it is the adaptation of the mm. game. But we we have seen effort, and okay. we and we know it. It only gets better too. What you haven't <laughs> seen yet, Anna, is that between the issue where she's introduced and kidnapped, and this issue where she's introduced and kidnapped. She's been, like, <laughs> yeah. fighting pirates with a crossbow. Okay. Yeah, but only after the pirates kidnapped her. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, at least she's doing something about it instead of waiting for Sonic. Yes. And then she made a deal with the pirates to mm. do some raids on airships, and then she started fighting robots. So okay. she can pull it out when she okay. wants to. But they are they are trapped in this thing in the game where she is literally just there to be kidnapped and then rescued. But uh, mm. she'll come into her own, don't worry. Did you notice her eyelashes keep disappearing in this issue? I didn't, know. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I don't oh, know yes, why. So. She looks naked without them. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> end of page five, when she's watching the fight. A couple of times on the final page. Oh, also, uh, not to revive an old bet, but... Amy's eyelids watch. <gasps> oh, gosh. I did pick up on that. <laughs> did I did you? pick up on that. Yes, look. Amy's eyelids yes. are pink. Well, that's what we have to... We've always said before, pink eyelids and blue eyelids. So, <laughs> yeah. we, we need to... Amy's eyelids... This is, this is the thing. We don't want to say flesh tone because that's too loaded, but like... Mm. Oh, true. We've always referred Beige. to Sonic's eyelids as pink or blue, but when we say pink, what we've always meant is the same colour as his muzzle as and his the mouth of his and ears his and his belly and his arms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes yeah. they're coloured blue. But but here, Amy's eyelids are pink pink, the same pink as her quills. So... Breaking news. Keeping an eye on that one. The the bit is back. Amy's it's it's a whole other thing now. So we'll just have to see what they do with knuckles. You gosh, you know I have I don't know. Gosh, I'm thinking of it and I'm like flesh eyelids? That doesn't seem right on knuckles. They should be red. But I don't really like thinking of it as red either. Well 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 we'll have to see. You know what? There's life in this conceit yet. I'm gonna have to do a jingle, aren't I? Are you implying my melodious <laughs> is not jingle enough? <laughs> I like this bit at the end here, wherever it's like the one time the comic ever does the whole "oh, he looks like Sonic" bit, where mm-hmm. the victor of the fight is emerging from a cloud of dust, and he yes, doesn't but it's... know which one it is. Sonic, is that you? Mm. Proceeding with termination, and he comes staggering out. But that's so good because it's they have just kicked up a load of dust, and, mm. and again, N- Nigel's very clear in the script: we're going to need this dust on the next page, so draw a lot of dust, and it does only last one panel. And that is that's how to do it. That's how because it, it's a good dramatic moment. Like, oh, here comes a hedgehog, mm-hmm. but but which one? And it's actually drawn in such a way that you genuinely can't tell from the silhouette. Yeah, it's obscured just enough by the actual dust in the art itself that that you don't know because we've we've commented before about how rationally there's no way anybody could ever mistake these characters for one another. Never mind Shadow the Hedgehog. Yeah, Shadow flipping. <laughs> is a different color. Completely different. <laughs> 
Metallic's just then, uh, he looks like he's going in to finish Amy off, but he just keels over. Yeah. And then Sonic comes out, all right. And we get, <laughs> there's some there's some good banter in these last two pages as well. Yeah. His bell has really been rung by this fight, and he just sort of croaks out as, as Amy sort of rushes to his side. I never tell you, pink is my least favorite color. <laughs> oh, you say the cutest thing. It's an interesting dynamic, that one. And then Metal Sonic immediately reboots because he is the Terminator. He cannot be stopped. Yes. And he grabs Amy and says, uh, but he, he does a bit of the old, uh, anal- you know, statement analysis conclusion scientific robot method of speech. Analysis operating on 30% only. Conclusion, tactical retreat and further use of live bait. And he grabs Amy by the arm and she goes, live bait? I've been called some things in my time. But... <laughs> She does work as the the other half of Sonic's attitude, doesn't she? There's Sonic doing his, you know, pink is my least favourite colour gag. And then she's kind of gagging back. Because she doesn't think that's a cute thing to say. She steadfastly refuses to take him on. Yeah. But for, for whatever her future um, freedom fighteriness may be, right now she is just being kidnapped and we've got to go off and get her from this miracle planet. And they're very savvy about that though, aren't they? Because Sonic does say, I don't believe it, that girl should rent herself out as a professional hostage. Yeah, it's, it's like... The- <laughs> He's clearly getting quite fed up of this too. <laughs> they know what they're stuck with. They're trying to deal with it. And to be yeah. honest, after this, <laughs> this is pretty much it, right? There's yeah. nothing else I can think. This, this is... is- this is the story of the time Amy, Amy was gets her yeah. one thing to do and then she okay. gets to actually go off and have her own strip in the future and have her own adventures with her lesbian canary friend. Yes, the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Refuse. Review zone. Oh, it's still pink and green, Dave. Yeah, it is. I it's not is it not a bit better than it was before though? So, uh, was it pink on green and green on pink before? But now it's a green bit, a pink bit. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's mm. what it is actually. That's what yeah. What uh, they would be the, yeah. One page was pink on green, and then the other page was like green on pink. It was the design in the background was across the two pages, but mm. it was but here it's just green, pink, green in three columns. Yeah, so they've noticed that there's a problem, and they're on their way to fixing it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I'll be honest. I looked ahead to see when it stops looking like this, and it's not too long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Enter the zone that brings you reviews of all the new releases for the Sega Game Systems. STC reviewers this issue, David Gibbon and Jenny Froman. We've got Skitchen on the Mega Drive, Battlecore on the Mega CD, and Soulstar on the Mega CD. Two Mega CD reviews. It's pick coming up in the world. Yeah, and also it's a bit of a core design review zone, yeah. because Core Design made Battlecore and Soulstar. These are the people, quick uh, reminder, who made Chuck Rock and Bubber and Sticks and then Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that this is what they're doing at the moment. They're doing these sort of first-person in-a-vehicle sims. Now, Soulstar seems to have gone down very well. I looked at it a bit on YouTube and it, it did look rather nice. It did, yeah. But Battlecore seems to have not really left a dent on the pop culture landscape. No, not really. So the description here is, it says, um, it, well, it says, Battlecore is another Thunderhawk clone. And it just isn't anything like it <laughs> no, at all. No, it's not. Yeah. Not in any way. Unless you, unless by that you mean you're sitting in a vehicle and everything outside is through the window. But uh, actually, to, honestly, it's more like a game on the spectrum called Tau Ceti, in which you are on the surface of a planet heading towards sort of, you know, towers and buildings and things that are encroaching upon you. And that, that's what you're doing here. You're just 
you're, you're not flying, which is what... Uh, so, Thunderhawk is a flight sim with a gun. Okay. A gun turret that you can... So, you're, Thunderhawk, you're in a, an attack helicopter or something. You're flying around. It's all 3D, and you're shooting at things. This is your... In a, a walker, you're stomping around in a big battle mech thing, and... You're going up to buildings and you're shooting the buildings where necessary and that's what you're doing. Can I jump back to Skitchen for a second? I'm fascinated by the warning at the end. Right. Because <laughs> again, so... this raises questions about what their demographic is. If they have to warn their readers that illegal street racing is probably not the one to pursue. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, is a, that is an interesting choice and that feels like a very 90s caveat as well. It does. No- well, we've heard about Skitchen before in the news zone and I feel like it said something like this then yeah. too. And hmm. I think we both joked that it must be in the manual or in the game, and Dave, then you confirm that it yeah. is. Yeah. And this 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 review then states it is in the game as well, and as you say, gives us the warning as well. And it's like this must have been some kind of stipulation. Then it's like if yeah. you review this yeah. game, you must tell kids at home not to do this. Because it actually says it should be said that the notion of actually attempting such moves is extremely dangerous and would almost certainly result in serious injury. None of the stunts incorporated in this cart should be ever tried for real. Which is very like don't try this at home kids and exactly. I just I'm fascinated that they felt it was necessary. Well the reason I think is because the the action they're talking about is not the driving part. It's the you are all you need to do if you want to copy this game, is have a pair of roller skates. That's it. Yeah. Other ah, than that, I, I could have, I could have mimicked this. You could have sketched in my village. I could have done this because all these, <laughs> all they're doing is they're roller skating. They're grabbing the back bumper of cars and they're mm-hmm. riding along behind them without permission. They're just a car comes by, mm-hmm. they reach out their arm, they grab, they skate. Theoretically, that is something kids can. I guess mimic. so. It's imitatable behaviour, as they say. And it is something that I did consider doing, so that's fair. <laughs> yeah. what, ju- just, now just now, when you were reading, reading this? Review, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I was a kid, I just figured it would get me to school faster. <laughs> it probably would, especially if you set up a couple of ramps on the way. All right, I accept that as valid then. That's fair. <laughs> Too many misplaced apostrophes in this review zone as well. Agreed. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I missed them. I did not Death. read it closely enough. In gun jocks. In the year 2096, war has broken out between two rival mining company apostrophe S. Oh, good. To start. And then there's another one. Uh, yeah, gun jocks. Each character has three lives. Once you've lost all three, you're given the chance to select another of the two gun jock oh, apostrophe no. S. And um, I feel like there was maybe even one or two more in there somewhere too. But yeah. I've come to expect this level of slipshoddery from Dave Gibbon, to be quite frank. (laughs) (laughs) Harsh words. Well, couldn't get the difference between composed and comprised right before. (laughs) (laughs) Chris has been up his arse ever since. (laughs) Well, look, now that Tony Takushi is clearly not writing reviews anymore, I gotta shift. Oh, yeah! (laughs) Yeah, where's Tony Takushi gone, I wonder? And then we've got Soulstar, which is one of those... Well, a bit space harriery where you're a thing in the foreground zipping around and there's stuff coming at you in 3D from yes. up ahead. The, the difference being that, uh, that... Yes, sprite-based 3D. The difference here being that it's got a lot of colours. They're using the full palette, yeah. apparently, that the Mega CD can do. Aren't they? It's rather pretty, I thought. I looked it up. It looks nice. That's um, about all I got. <laughs> yeah, looked it up. Yeah, looks nice. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I can't really gauge how nice it looks because, of course, I'm now used to faux 16-bit games that actually cheat with a higher palette. Sure. So I don't, I, I don't have that visceral reaction of like, whoa, 32 more colours than I'm used to or whatever. <laughs> back issues, though. Yeah, back, back issues. 
Over the page, the uh, back issue zone is back. So we've, we've seen that before, so not much to say there, except that they have removed the issues that uh, were labelled as sold out last time and added a few more to the end. Yeah. Issues 15 and 16, but there are already only a few left as well. Yeah. it's a. It, this seems like a very inefficient way to get your back issues, to be honest. Well, what would you suggest? No, I don't, I don't mean the actual system of sending in a coupon. I mean having to wait until some go out of stock so new ones can file into the limited slots on the page, you know? Just oh, I see. Everybody buy everything at once, you know? Well, I, I assumed they were just going to shrink the pictures when more issues show up. <laughs> well, we, I, well, they may well do, actually. I guess we'll just have to keep an eye out. I don't think this hangs around for long. No, I don't remember this really being a fixture. I don't remember this being a lingering thing. Yeah. I've just gone off in a reverie seeing the I enclose a check post. Oh, I know what it is. Oh, I just, you know, when you see something you haven't remembered in 20 years and you go, what's that? What's that? And seeing the bit here where you just tick which ones you want and then you tell them how much you are paying them and you, and mm-hmm. then you have to just get it right. Like, yeah. What's <laughs> the that? System. Yeah. And I've realized I'm thinking of the, um, order form in the back of Garfield paperbacks of the time where you could <laughs> order previous. <laughs> other existing Garfield paperbacks and send in for them. Did you ever order any? No, no. Well, I think... Of course not. I filled in the form because I knew that I wanted a couple <laughs> just to test it, just to, just to do just the to magic. see if they would maybe appear if you didn't... You know, even if you didn't send it, maybe if you filled <laughs> it in. <laughs> no, I wanted to be part of the magic. I wanted to send it off, but I don't think I ever did. I filled... Me and my friend elaborately worked out, filled in the form and saved up the pocket money to send off for one of those, you know, those pages in the back of comics that would be like the joke shop page? Oh, yeah. And oh, magic yeah. tricks. And you'd send off and you'd send off for like the fake blood capsules, dra- yeah, yeah. Uh, vampire X-ray specs. teeth, x-ray, x-ray specs. specs. Gotta get yourself a pair of those. <laughs> Very important. Especially with some of the questions we were asking about the world at the time. Yeah, we had to go and get some x-ray specs. Uh, never never happened, never sent off. I think when my mum explained to me that they weren't going to be x-ray specs, they would probably mm. just be... Uh, her idea was that they would probably just have a kind of weird uh, flexy stuff in the lenses that would make laser lights appear on stuff you know little rainbow oh, flecks yeah. and things. i genuinely i've never owned any i've never no. tried any i don't i don't know what it is they actually did no yeah okay. if any of you bought x-ray specs please tweet the podcast yeah. i want yeah. to yeah, please do the closest At sonic podcast the closest <laughs> i ever got to this was when we were on a school trip to the isle of wight and uh there was really? a, a, yeah and there was sorry a, i'm from the isle of wight i got very excited oh are you <laughs> yeah. oh you're from the special <laughs> holiday island place Brilliant. <laughs> oh, so does that mean you've played on the uh the magic arcade game they had at the time which was made of holograms i don't even know what that is yeah there was hologram a hologram arcade machine just around on the on the pier and the arcade just around the corner from the uh the the cowboy game that we've covered on this podcast where you're shooting videos of cowboys <laughs> they had a i believe a sega machine which was a sort of squat about waist height and if you looked into it there was like film footage of a guy it was like nightmare a guy and people dressed up as monsters and it was 3d holograms Whoa. against no screen it was flipping mm. amazing i don't know how they did oh it oh my gosh i can't believe i missed that there were only three things happening on the island yeah i mean what it will have been is it'll have been projections against glass or something i don't know how they did it but it yeah. was very good yeah no it's yeah yeah there was only three things there was that black and shine <laughs> what else Robin Hill. Yeah, that's it. Don't, don't think I went anywhere else. Anyway, um, so we were on this holiday to the Isle of Wight and we went to Black Gang China and at Black Gang China they had a joke shop. 
And me and my friend bought a joke pack of sweets. And there was about four sweets and they were extra hot. And there was a picture mm-hmm. of giving it to someone and fire comes out of their ears and all that, right? <laughs> yeah. So we were on the bus and we we're like, ha, ha, ha. Because Matthew had a big bag of delicious normal sweets. And we were like, oh, and you stuck one in. <laughs> no, we, we went further than that. We went, aha, I know what we can do. So we talked up how delicious, how perfect and brilliant these hot sweets were. And how they were better they were worth a whole bag of nice normal sweets, just four of these hot sweets. And we we kind of goaded Matthew into swapping because he was like, "Yeah, I'm hard. I could eat. I could eat a hot sweet." Bastards. And we sw- and, and it worked. And we, and and we swapped. And he was like, "Oh yeah, these are flipping lovely. Oh, these are lovely." And just whoever, whatever kid was sitting next to him, he goes, "God, do you know what? I'm going to be generous. You can have one of these." And that kid was like, "Oh, this is lovely." And we're like, "Oh." Damn it. We've just got this bag of normal sweets. And we honestly, now I think about it, he was probably trying to counter scam us, but we tried to swap back. We tried our hardest to swap back, and I think we managed. So, yeah, he counter scammed us, the fiend. (laughs) But here's the thing they were nice. They were just lovely. Oh, you then tried them. They were just lovely big sweets, but with an extra zing to them. Yeah. So, yeah. Worth trying. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt they've got the joke shop at Black Gang China. Have they still got Black Gang China? Is it all gone in oh, the yeah. sea yet? The fiberglass, no, the fiberglass uh, pirate is still standing guard outside oh, the entrance. Thank goodness. I think the dinosaurs are still there. They're 90s dinosaurs, you know, no fur and feathers. Oh, brilliant. Do they just yeah. keep pushing them all further inland, yeah? I think they do. I think they do. Yeah. As stuff as stuff slips into the ocean, it gets picked yeah. up and put back on the inside. So it's just like gradually receding and reversing order. I don't know if you know about this, Chris. We are not joking. This is a theme park, a children's <laughs> theme park that is constantly falling into the sea. <laughs> okay. Because it's built right on the edge no, of the No, it didn't occur to me until you said that, that that's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the thing. No, this it's is eroding. Why, is this is why air may not be at Alton Towers anymore. It might have fallen into the sea, even though it's right in the middle of the country. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. You never Go where you can, is my advice. Yeah. Good content again, but far <laughs> off pod at this point. Streets of Rage! Streets of Rage. <laughs> Streets of Rage. It's a story, part two, written by Mark Miller, art by Peter Richardson, letters by Tom Frame. After Murphy is killed by crooked cops, Axel and Blaze approach Skates, hoping he knows where Murphy's disk of information was hidden. The bitter Skates blows them off, but then returns home to find his family's apartment has been ransacked by cops unsuccessfully looking for the disk. Skates retrieves the disk from its hiding place, but unable to trust the police anymore, he doesn't know what to do next. Holy crap to this. Wow, okay. When I said at the end of last issue, I wonder if Murphy's going to die, I did not (laughs) remember that he literally died on the first page of the next issue. I was shocked today when I, or yesterday when I read this. I couldn't believe Murphy from all of the comics so far is just shot dead now. Just shot dead. Just, just like that. Holy crap. Murphy, the one who had a personality, sort of. (laughs) Holy crap to this whole comic. Yeah, this is brutal stuff. Anna, what do you make of this? So, first of all, I think it's visually absolutely beautiful. Yes! Um, The colour palette is really vivid and kind of noir-y, but cyberpunk. Um, Super into that, the aesthetic of it. It's really, really gorgeous. It's got very angular lines and it's dynamic. And the it's, panel yeah, with those two, uh, the cop car and the ambulance car, two cop cars rather, zoom in along the motorway. Brilliant! Yeah, yeah. 
absolutely spectacular I particularly stuff. love the nighttime palette that's in mm. use in this issue specifically that I don't feel like we've seen before. Yeah. We see it in a few spots, but but it's really uh, once Skates is inside the apartment, yeah. everything's gone to this high contrast inverted colors neon, mm. where his yellow shirt is in blue and his skin is now a purple color and his, his hat's just dipped to a magenta down from red. And the background is basically black, except each panel has some shape of orange on it where light mm. is either coming in through a window to make that shape on the wall or it's a spot of light on the floor so we can just see and you could i suppose that could be a rug but i choose to read it as a bit of a patch no, of light. Yeah, it's light coming in the window or something yeah. yeah i mean you see it you see in behind the what looks like lights through through broken blinds or something on, yeah. on the wall yeah it's so you know, like the apartment is in darkness and we have this yeah. this high contrast dark palette that's great mm. stuff Something you wouldn't have picked up on when you were a kid. When you looked at it, you would yeah. probably have gone, why, why is he purple? I don't remember if I did, but... <laughs> I don't think I did. And it does... Re- and also, and this is something colorists know about and understand, and I don't. I am a cartoonist. I've never understood this. Even though the actual paint here is purple, it does read as his skin color. Mm. That's it. I've watched video essays about the different approach that's needed for lighting black skin. Yeah. And mm. I feel like that's what they're kind of mimicking with this and doing a really good job of it. Yeah, even though it's... Purple. It's so clever. It's mm. such good colouring. Oh, I don't know. Peter Richardson's colour theory game is on point here. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I would love to take a class. I want this guy to teach me colour. Because on the, fir- on the and the same deal goes on the first page where th- Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also purple, but you can tell he's white. Like, it's got the light on the sides of his head and the sides of his nose contrasted with the purple on the middle of his face. It's mm. fascinating how this works. Or even then, in the few panels below that, where he is... Shotgun to death. Yeah, in, <laughs> in Sonic comic. the comic. <laughs> yeah, like they're they're all just lit lit in stark yellow as the yeah. muzzle flare, and then the shadow is the muzzle flare is all of the light, so the whole he's all yellow, and then except for the sh- the black of the shadows. So good, grim stuff, I have to say. Although I do think there is a little goof here where, oh. um, like uh, we have this scene of him being gunned down and then they actually shoot the shopkeeper as well who goes for it who goes for a double barrel shotgun himself <laughs> yeah uh, but he wasn't going to use it he swears then he shot to death as well and, um and then it says several blocks away <laughs> axel and uh, and blaze in their van pull up to skates rolling down the street going we know who killed your father skates <laughs> it's like so it's several blocks and several days later, right? It's not... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that... Oh, yeah. See, yeah, when I read this, I was going, do they? How do they know that? Like, I guess they put together that this sort of thing was likely to happen. And But yeah, no, you're right. Time has passed as well. I didn't think of Time that. Time has definitely passed. Um, it's there's a, there's a few little things, like, hidden in the backgrounds of this issue, of, like, uh, like the names of the records, for yes. instance. Is that Mark Miller's Melodies for Sorry, You? Sorry, this is... And- this is in the ransacked flat, one of the Sorry, ways. In the, in, in the ransacked mm. department. And uh, one other one that says, Sonny Boy Richardson, which I assume is a reference to himself. But uh, if you look, the book, when Skids reaches for the phone, is called Lone Parenting, A Guide. Oh, so yeah. Mom, it's Obviously, that. time has passed, because his mom has just been trying to read a book about how she's going to raise this oh, kid without, no. without the dad. It's devastating. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, that's 
Brilliant. Oh, and another actual little thing uh, like that here. Uh-huh. This is interesting. One of the bits of graffiti that's on the stairs that skates uh, goes up. It says Red Razors. Uh-huh. I noticed that. Yes, Red Razors was the name of a 2000 AD comic <gasps> strip that Mark Miller drew. Oh, great. That Mark Miller wrote. Did you, um, did you just know that? Well... I recognized the name because I had cause to look up the strip recently. I knew the name anyway from... I used to work in a coffee shop. Oh, yeah. But the reason that the name was already in my head and that I immediately latched onto it when I saw it is because just this week we got a message on our Twitter from listener Zach Simmons Hearn. Oh. Who had what I think is the answer to a little mystery ooh, we ooh, were pondering. Ooh, 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 ooh. Because... Red Razors, written by Mark Miller, was drawn by an artist that Mark Miller collaborated with several times over the course of his career, but uh, Red Razors was released, was released in 93, so this is just going to And that artist's name was Steve Yowell. Who, oh, don't you think, Steve is Owl. the name source for Steve Isle from issue 12? 100%. 100%. That's the answer. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, there you go. So shout out to Zach for solving that oh, mystery. Nice one, Zach. Cheers. <laughs> and then there was this little bit of graffiti that allowed me to slip it in here without having to wait for speed lines. <laughs> <laughs> this story, though, I'm, I'm so impressed by um, the way it ends. I felt it was really, like, properly powerful. Oh, yeah. It's so much bigger than I thought yeah. Sonic the comic would be, you know? Yes. <laughs> because there's this moment in the last panel, you've got a black man in a spotlight surrounded by his trashed home saying that he can't trust the police. Yeah. Yes. He's with a phone in his hand because he went to call them and then he's like, I can't, this won't help there's me. There's nobody left to trust is what he says. Yeah. And then in the corner... It says, next issue, things get worse. <laughs> no exclamation mark. Things get worse, full stop. That's also a very 2020 mood, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they are making a good comedy. Yeah. And this was this was my memory, was that I went back, because at the time I didn't get this, and I didn't yeah. really enjoy it. And then when I was a bit older, maybe, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of 16, maybe, mm-hmm. I, I have this memory that I went back and read it and was like, wait, this is really good. And this is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like the first serial had its tongue in its cheek. It was a yeah. big, dumb 80s action movie. This particular chapter, there is meat here. There yeah. is genuine yeah. drama actually at play mm-hmm. in this in this chapter. Yeah, it's got a point to make. Fair play to it. I was, yeah. I was really, I was struck by this one. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It feels, it, even as an adult, this feels grown up. Yeah, to read you it. feel yeah. the weight of that one. Yeah. Like he instinctively goes for the phone because this house has been... I mean, he's, the words have just left his mouth. Who did this? Was it the cops? He already knows the police are, are bent and they're they're probably the ones mm. responsible for this. But it still instinctively goes to ring 911. And it's only whenever he hears the voice on the other end, he realises, wait, who's... Yeah. I, I, I can't. There, no one's going to rescue nobody me. Nobody left to trust. Nobody's yeah. coming for this. So he's just there alone in his in the spotlight with his mother collapsed behind him, and it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Mm. Mm. Very impressive. I probably will read the next issue just to find out what happens, which is yeah. high praise. My memory of this one is that it gets big and stupid and bombs on boats during galas later <laughs> on. But this, Hooray! this, there's real punch to this. News mm. It's another one of those cases where you look at the thing and you think, there's no way this came Can't out. Have... But then you look it up yes. and it turns out it did. Yeah. We're looking at the... The Mega Jet. Yes. The Sega Mega Jet. Um, although, uh, from what I can tell uh, from reading online, this news zone gets things a little A little bit, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what this is is it's a sort of a portable Mega Drive. A sort of a portable Mega Drive. <laughs> a sort of a portable where the um, the console and the joypad have been integrated into one unit. It yeah. doesn't have its own screen, that but you plug the games directly into the hand unit, mm. and then that plugs into your television. And it can run off batteries or mains. Um, and it was only released in Japan. But it turned. It, they say down here at the bottom of this news zone that Sega have produced an in-flight version of the Mega Jet, which some airlines will be building into their in-flight entertainment systems. And uh, what it is was apparently this is what it was made for. Yes. It was made to be used on planes. Yes, and it came with a couple of games built in, but it did, even on the planes, have a slot. So if you happen to bring your you own Mega Drive games, games with you, you yeah. can plug them in. That's so cool. Yeah. So that would have been... I, I can't really picture where on the plane this would be. Maybe it would have been attached by a cable to the seat in front of you, but you would pull it up and play on it, and, and that would play on the screen. It sounds like you had to request it. It sounds like it wasn't oh, built in. Oh, right. Uh, at least based on what I read, I wasn't sure. Like, they had the they had the screens in the in the chairs at the time. Because yes. Uh, even though it was the 90s, it was Japan, mm -hmm. so they were a few years ahead of the rest of the world. But uh, And also what I read contradicted what STC says here, because... Mm. They seem to imply that, you know, you can... Yeah, yeah, look here. Uh, although chiefly meant to be run off an AC power supply, a couple of Game Gear, NICAD batteries, and a small LCD colour TV means that the Mega Jet can be taken on planes, trains, buses, etc. I mean, of course, that would have been a hell of a, a job to get yeah. a portable TV in those days. Television with you, yeah, right. But what I read can't vouch for this being necessarily true but said that it doesn't take batteries you do have to have it plugged uh -huh. into the mains at all times so what you've got Fair enough. so what you've got listeners the mega jet which you may already have google imaged but it's a sort of a plastic bar that's got a, a you know d-pad and buttons on either side of it and then just a bit of extra space to fit the the console gubbins in so it's a it's a fairly it's ba imagine basically imagine a Game Gear, but sort of sliced horizontally so that it's not as tall as it were, and no screen, just just the middle. That has to be plugged into a TV and the mains at all times. So you've got these wires dangling. It would have been incredibly cumbersome. Very light, to look, apparently. It's not heavy, which is what I suspected it would be. But you are weighed down by these cables. I can't imagine it would have been much fun to play. It's a decent chunk of technology, yeah. isn't it? It's, it doesn't yeah. Seem... Like, what's the point? If you have to have it plugged into a TV... Get a Mega well, Drive. The point was for using it on planes, and then they decided to sell it, uh, and it never came out yeah. in Europe or America. No, it, so. it shouldn't have. It's just a worse. <laughs> no, it's a worse it's, Mega Drive. It's a, it's a worse Mega Drive. <laughs> but they did later take this tech, slap a screen on it, and call it the Sega Nomad, and that was that was a ah. wonderful idea that I always wanted when I heard about it on the internet and so on. And I, it wasn't released here. I think it was in America, but. This time it was very big and chunky and probably heavy, mm. and the screen got about almost as blurry in motion as a Game Boy's did to look at. It's, mm. it's might not have been very good, so dead end there as well. Portable Sega. It just wasn't going to happen. No. Tragic. Uh, then the rest of the um, news zone is... Um, I guess they were hurting for space again, this issue, because it's basically <laughs> it's about uh, two new games from US Gold and two new games uh -huh. from Domark, and they each get their own little section on the thing instead of the usual big list we've got uh world cup usa 94 uh from us gold and the incredible hulk 
with a Mega Drive. I like it in this Incredible Hulk one. Maybe you know this game, David. Uh, uh, no. just called you David. Why did I do that? Right. <laughs> Call me what you need to. Um, you probably won't remember the Marvel superhero's first appearance in an electronic game. Strangely enough, it was a text-based <laughs> adventure with a few pictures written for the old 8-bit computers almost a decade ago. Any familiarity with that, David? I didn't know that. I did look it up, though. I think it was uh, the one. I, I think it was an Apple exclusive, or at least that's what I found. And uh, It was called it looked Quest quite Probe. Was it? Um, um, I, oh, wow. Yes, I am familiar with it because it's a bit infamous. Uh, um, is it? It was the, it was, there were going to be four of them. They released a comic tie-in. I'm never, I've never read it or oh. played it. But um, there were going to be four of them, but uh, the, the arse fell out of it and the fourth never came out. Um, the Hulk was oh. the first one, then they did a Spider-Man one, and Human Torch and the Thing. But the Hulk one was, it was, we're talking very simplistic get flask yeah. type commands yeah. that you typed in, two word uh, verb noun things. And the, the, yeah. the game begins, you're Bruce Banner and you're tied to a chair. Obvious exits uh-huh. are none. And that's <laughs> it. It's infamous because... Did you have to type with, in, I'm quite cross about that, and it with, goes success. <laughs> with no prompting or no clue of any kind, what you had to type was bite lip. What? Oh Bite my goodness! Lip. That would make you because that's how text adventures roll. Just so annoyed enough that you would turn into the Hulk. See, that's what the person did in the video I watched. But I thought they were just—I thought that was their thing. Mm. They kept, I thought what you're supposed to do is bite rope, tying bite you in. Lip. <laughs> One would think. God. And is that yeah, that was a that was a major flaw in text adventures at the time? Yeah. Is that there was no standardized grammar for it? So I got yeah. really into writing uh, interactive fiction a few years back. Oh yeah, and you know. It, a consensus developed, but in the in the eighties and the early nineties, there just wasn't a commonly understood verbiage for playing that kind of game. So you had to get into the mind of the person who wrote it. Yes, not always easy. <laughs> Finding walkthroughs was pretty essential. Yeah. I gather that after that, they kind of overhauled it and had a more robust text good, input good. For, for the two games that they managed to bring out after that oh, Spider-Man right. and... They'd often make it multiple choice so that it would standardise how you interact with things and how you access your inventory And was there not, and, and it wasn't in the comic tie-in, you weren't supposed to read that and he bites his lip and then you go, oh, bite lip Not that I know of, as I say I never read it, but Because yeah. that would be okay, if it, especially if it came with a comic and you read it and get mm-hmm. clues It did not Oh well. No, you had to figure that one out on your own. And then there's this football game. Um, what was it? World Cup USA '94. Mm-hmm. This is by Tiertex Design Studios, um, and they are the people who made the, the very. They just sort of made games. They're a, a UK uh, games company, and they made the Master System version of Paperboy, the Game Gear version of RoboCod, Game Boy conversions of Disney games, etc. So they were converting. They were converting games to handhelds. That's what they were basically doing. But the other thing that they'd done that we know them from is they just made Winter Olympics, which I remember correctly, mm, is yes. terribly reviewed in STC. It was, yeah. After they gave it away a few issues before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this, I, it just looks like an extremely pedestrian, like, worse version of Sensible Soccer. I'm not, not quite sure what the point of it was. No. Then the two Domark games are Kawasaki Superbikes. Kawasaki Superbikes. I would have loved that. Yeah? Yeah? Oh, any bike game. Yes. So here for it. You're a bike... <laughs> are you still a bike kid, or are you a bike kid in the past? I mm, I want to be more of a bike kid than I am, but I was obsessed <laughs> yeah. throughout my teens, and yeah. It made so much sense on the Isle of Wight. A lot safer there. <laughs> yeah. I'd ride on the back of my dad's, and I'd have a lovely time, but yeah. here, oh. no. No. Assuming this is the game that eventually comes out under the name 
Kawasaki Superbike Challenge. I gather um, that that's what it was called in America, and Kawasaki Superbikes was what it was called in Europe. I couldn't find any mention of that, but that's the internet for you. Um, there is something <laughs> a bit interesting about it. it. It came out on the Mega Drive and SNES, and I saw a side-by-side comparison on YouTube, which you'll be able to find if you look mm-hmm. it up. And if you do, you'll see that the whole approach to making the games work was totally different on the two consoles. On the Mega Drive, it's a 3D racer with polygons and true 3D tracks, whereas on the SNES, it's just that older style of fake 3D we mentioned before with sprite mm. objects zipping past the sides of the track. Completely mm. different. And then the, the rest of the page is taken up with uh, Marco's Magic Football. The second Domark game. Yes. Uh, shameless ripoff of Soccer Kid on the Amiga. This is where the, the, the brackets and the asides blew out of hand. <laughs> Marco's Magic Football is a blend of footballing and platform action in a similar vein to Chrysalis's computer hit Soccer Kid. Brackets, coincidentally, a Mega Drive conversion is on its way. Never uh, happened. Did it not? No. Know. Then, further on down, we've got Enter the Star of the Show, Marco, who, surprise, has a magic football which he kicks around, not on a proper pitch, but through 14 different secret pack levels. Brackets, such as the sewer, the forest, and ultimately Colonel Brown's toy factory, close brackets, to help him fend off zany adversaries, brackets, and there are over 100, (laughs) close brackets. Marco's magic football boasts a distinctive cartoon look complete with special effects and more than 300 frames of animation used for Marco's magic moves, brackets, including overhead kicks and headers, close brackets. Marco's magic football is released this summer, brackets, probably June, close brackets, on the Mega Drive and the Game Gear. (laughs) And the prices are in brackets too. (laughs) Yes, they are. Come your tits please with the brackets <laughs> valid extremely valid doesn't need to be this parenthetical and there's three uh screenshots of marco's magic football and it do- and and by the way i'll i'll give them the the thing about the 300 uh, frames of animation that is kind of cool i quite like that although actually looking at it it's it's it, it's not quite there with the cartooning in this one it's, it's nearly, not no is it there's a screenshot of marco here viciously firing a machine gun at a small sad looking ghost <laughs> yep. oh is that what it is I, I, I don't know i i that's how i interpreted it but he looks so angry something about the pixel art and the lighting makes it look like he's got like yeah. as he fires this machine gun he's got tears streaking down his face <laughs> he's, he's having to kill this thing <laughs> There is an ad for Marco on the back of the cover. Yes, that's what we've got on the back cover. It is probably the crappiest advert I can think of that STC ever did. Startlingly bad, yeah. Anna, check this rubbish out. There it is. There's the whole advert. Oh my goodness. It's just a light blue page. Oh, bless him. Someone sundry that. Yes, filled with a (laughs) giant cartoon drawing of Marco putting his thumb up with his with a football under his arm. It honestly it's not terribly drawn or anything. A happy but lad with a football. It's it's a bit graphic zone, isn't it? It's just a drawing of a character <laughs> holding a football and doing a thumbs up. And it just under that, in quite small letters it says Marco's magic football, Domark. <laughs> Mega Drive, Game Gear. This is not the last we will hear of Marco and Sonic the Comic. No, no it isn't. Compo! First we have the mm. Compo winners compo. from this year. It's another Compo result. The results of the Pirate Comp, the Skyhook competition to get their oh, satellite yeah. dish and hook on DVD. And hook. Not v- DVD. Did you even get it on VHS? You didn't even, did you? you didn't, no, you no, got the you game. Got, yeah. That's it. You got the, you got the Hook game for Mega CD. Jim Lad has pulled from Hook's old seaboot the results. Pulling from old thing watch. Get that spreadsheet going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that again, that's a half page compo result. And then The winner is Jonathan Bogg. Oh. 
Well, condolences, Jonathan, condolences about your name, but congratulations <laughs> for winning the thing. Oh, man, John oh. Borg, his first name and his last name are both synonyms. Oh, God, oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's rough, John. Sorry about that. Oh, dear. What if he's listening? Come on. <laughs> hey, we, we extend the hand of friendship, but he must be aware that his name is Toilet Toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. He probably went to school. <laughs> he probably, oh, he probably went to school. Sorry, John. Yeah, we don't need to add more to the. Yeah. To the... We don't mean to make you flush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, Chris. <laughs> nice to meet you. Okay. We better move on. Uh, that's uh, that's half of this page, and then the bottom half of this page. What's that? It's another one of these things. We saw one of these. Okay, let's not say what this is. Let's see what Anna thinks this is. Okay. What is Oh my god. Um, right, so there's an angry creature holding meat with the word soon between his spread legs. There's a skull on his tummy and he's gripping some sort of gremlin thing with sunglasses on. That's an yeah, accurate good description of it, yes. Um, it means nothing to me. It is sigils from another time. <laughs> I'm going to need an awful lot of education. And everything in this drawing is twisted out to its fullest that it can go. Mm. It's all it's all weird looking. This mm. is another piece of art by Stephen Bliss. We saw one of these last issue. Isotronic, it said. This time it merely warns us. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> That's so sinister. And who do we have on the chest on there? On the belly, it's the pirate Sega television advert skull mascot again. What oh. is going on, Stephen Bliss? Beware of pirate STC. Soon. Ominous, but I like it. Yeah, right. Very strange <laughs> advertising campaign for for an upcoming thing. They uh they knew they had something weird with this one. <laughs> yeah, and then on the uh, opposite page to that, it's a full page of adverts. Top yes. half, Sabutio, another Coleman ball there from Bobby Robson. We didn't underestimate them; they were a lot better than we thought. <laughs> and then the bottom half, though, we've got three ads to this page, necessitating yes. banner format adverts yes. for the lower half. But Nath, Judge Dread magazine on sale every fortnight. Creeps, just the logo, no pictures, no information. No white background, it. just the words, and then a banner for Guyver episode two, yeah. the uh, the video comic there. Sonic's World. Sonic's World, part one. Oh, it is. Is it part one? It, yeah, last issue was a prologue. Mm. Oh, huh. Right, okay. It's weird. That's stupid. Okay. <clears throat> Sonic's World. Part 1. Kinterbors. <laughs> Sorry, I'm struck by how stupid You've that been is. thrown. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty weird. Really stupid. Okay. <clears throat> Sonic's World. Part 1. Kinterbors, spelled backwards, is. Dot, dot, dot. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Mike Hadley, colours by John M. Burns, and letters by Ellie DeVille. The Kinterbor computer recounts the story of its creation, detailing how Porker Lewis built it using a Mobius ring that had been imprinted with the original Dr. Kinterbor's brain patterns in the explosion of the ROCC. Soon after, however, Porker became the first Mobian to be trapped within a Badnik when Dr. Robotnik launched his first attempt to take over the planet. But fortunately, Sonic was there to stop him. So yeah, this uh, this follows on from our little 
prologue last issue. Hmm. Strange that, but they went prologue part one and part two on this serial instead of just starting with part one. Even though there's nothing that really separates the no. prologue from the part one and part two. I mean, pro- the prologue was kind of a, a general... Um, overview of the planet yes. whereas this is I suppose there's, there's enough story, story here that I could yeah. actually write a short synopsis since when I couldn't last issue yeah the, <laughs> the, the, the purpose of this is essentially to bridge the end of the flashback in issue number eight the origin of Sonic which concluded with the panel we see here of Dr. Robotnik emerging from the wreckage of the ROCC um to the Sonic 1 video game and filling in the details that happened in between and also showing us yeah, where the Kentibor computer came from and how badniks were introduced to the planet. And, you know, it's just cool lore. Yeah, yeah I really it's like cool it. Lore. It's cool nice. And it struck me anew how horrifying Robotnik is. <laughs> yeah, his right. his big empty eyes and his yeah. mouth is just a pool of darkness with a tongue floating in it. Hadley does Very draw unsettling. that pretty nice, doesn't he? Mm, yeah, mm. I, I, I really like this. This is... I want whole books of this. <laughs> yeah, right. You see this bit here, dude. This is the bit I was hinting at last issue. Um, oh, this is this is this is one of this is sort of where we get to introducing more formally some of STC's divergences from Stay Sonic and the the ideas. So, like in Stay Sonic and the Sega backstory for Sonic One, um, it was Robotnik who took the Chaos Emeralds and put them in suborbital space warps, and that's what the special zones were. Yes. And I remember that in uh-huh. Sonic in the Fourth Dimension, in the novel, there's a scene of Robotnik recovering the emeralds from the wreck of the ROCC, so he can do that. Oh. But in this, what happens when the ROCC explodes is the emeralds are warped into mm. the special zone, uh, the special zone the other dimension that is also the special stage from Sonic 2 that will be explored much more in the future of Sonic the comic. Um, So it's the same place as the special zone from Sonic 2. Um, But you see that the explosion warped the emeralds, the explosion warped the emeralds back to the special zone where they were scattered all over the place, taking on strange, multi-hued properties. And that's the story of how the Chaos Emeralds became colours. <laughs> that's extremely good. But not in the picture. They're all just not green the picture, in the picture. Though, finally. Yeah, no, yeah, they're just green in the picture. But presumably it happened over time. Yeah, it, it must be over time because they're also still green at the end of this comic. Uh, yeah, like I feel like Hadley maybe didn't get the memo about the fact that the Emeralds <laughs> were supposed to have changed colours because they appear at the start of the next issue and they're all still green as well. Oh. But, um, <laughs> within the narrative, that's supposed to be the explanation for why the Emeralds are not just green like Emeralds are supposed to be. Anna, mm. tell us about your experience of suddenly having this weird info dump in the middle of what I think is the first <laughs> issue of STC you've ever read. Yeah, um, I mean, it was useful, for sure. I suppose it was. Uh, the, the ring confused me. The ring deeply confused me. Yeah, and that is something that... <laughs> there's no precedent for that ring. It ne- this never happens again, as far as I can remember. Yeah. The the idea of a, a mind being imprinted on one, you mean? Just randomly imprinted right. on the ring, it starts talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I've, you know, I've been exposed to various bits of Sonic lore over my life, as one tends to be. Um, and... <laughs> A sentient ring has no no place in my understanding of this. I mean, I, I feel like this is one of those things that STC is never really good at giving context. Because once again, we I mean, the ROCC never even appears on panel in this story. No. And it barely appears even in the origin story back in issue eight. And even when it does, it doesn't um, adhere to the Bible or Stasonic description of it, which is that it's built out of the gold rings. Yeah. And the explosion of the machine is what scatters the rings Ah, all over the planet. 
or we've talked before about how in Sonic the Comic they actually made it so that the rings were native to Mobius, so the idea of the explosion needing to scatter them didn't make any sense anymore. But um, So that's why there's a ring in the lab and why there was a ring involved at the heart of the explosion that this... I mean, I'm not so bothered about the idea as brain patterns got imprinted on it. I've read enough comics to know that if you get exploded with just the right amount of energy, with just the right weird uh, unearthly object next to you, your brain can wind up going into any old thing. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't bother me at all. Sounds right to me. Porker just says, Somehow Dr. Kinterbor's brain patterns have been recorded on this Mobius ring. Somehow. You know, it doesn't say that the explosion actually did it, but we have to we have to take it as rare that that's what did it. <laughs> yeah. It's something to do with the expulsion of one mind and the creation of another or something among mm. um, in a room full of chaos emeralds and magic rings and things. Radioactivity. And this is back when Porker Lewis had trotters. So are all yes. the animals just getting more human over time? Yes. <laughs> the, yeah, I, 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 am, I think when Hadley draws the characters in the future, he will adhere to the Elson designs for them with the jackets and everything. But it's cute in a way to see a flashback to the time before they started looking like that still draw them in accordance that with their old accurate. character designs yeah. As, yeah. as if it was actually a transformation that had come over the main universe <laughs> yeah yeah because which of course it is not but yeah because of course you know we've got the old robotnik here and that mm, is yeah, a yeah. canonical change that that is supposed to have happened and changed mm. but yeah with the uh, with the with the rabbits and pigs and things, it's supposed to be gradual and you're not supposed to have really noticed it as it yeah, happens. It's, it's not an actual in-universe physiological change to them. Fanon then, but I'm okay with it. But this does acknowledge that this was when they were all nude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no clothes. Porker does look distressingly nude, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Because he he's so pink and shiny and yeah. wobbly. Jo Johnny doesn't look so bad. Uh, on the next page over, Johnny Lightfoot's there. But, but yeah, he is so pink and tender and that porcine sweaty gleam <laughs> on every fold and crevice of yeah, his uh, every possible <laughs> surface of his, That's of his pork it, especially in, <laughs> especially on page four as he's sitting on the ground like, yeah and he's sitting there he's just naked mike's put lots of different shiny areas all over his face that really make it, it looks out of puff and he's yep. gone all pink <laughs> and he's yep. taken his clothes off as you stark went. naked <laughs> Hadley's still not getting those bad nicks, though. Mm. No? He could just never quite translate the game designs into... We've got, what have we got? A, a motobug, a, a buzz bomber, and a splats. Well, exactly! He's drawn a splats here! What what does... I don't he, judge... What? Like, there's some kind of bad nick style guide out there, and <laughs> yeah. splats was on the first page of it. No, I'm in favour of it. Oh, yeah, completely. But yeah. They, it just appears so commonly. Yeah, no, bring me splats. When, when it didn't make it into the game, like... In your smile. But he's <laughs> given him little feet as well as his arse spring which I believe Splats didn't have but Sounds the right. main thing is that they're all just grey and I'm wondering if yeah. was this a black and white style guide I, well I mean I don't know are they all grey because they're prototypes uh, or they're not of course he's just coloured them grey just, and just done wrong. it wrong he's just Obviously, got it wrong yes but <laughs> yeah so this is the part of this step up where badniks appear for the first time Sonic uses his spin attack for the first time yes. to bop a badnik and then he bops one and turns out Porker's inside it. And is like, I don't believe it because he thinks Porker's gone all evil. And Porker's like, no, it's not what it looks like. It's great because you stop and think about it. It's like, of course it's not what it looks like. But how would they know that? We know that. <laughs> yeah. Seems like the most most logical thing in the world because we know how it works. But I like that it's the story's approaching it from an angle where Sonic would pop the robot 
the pig would come out from inside it. He would think the pig was in control of the robot. He does yeah. look somehow more naked in that panel, doesn't he? So naked. Way more. <laughs> so unsettling. <laughs> and his little his little floof of hair. Like he Yeah. <laughs> I really like the setting for this strip though. Like the background looks so familiar to what I remember of the games. Yeah. I think that's very well done. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? But you got one of your bad loops on the last page. I know, so. yeah. We're, but <laughs> this is the era of the bad loops. It's, um, yeah, just a wall with a circle cut in it rather than a road that goes up and round and back on Yeah. Itself. Yeah, I picked up on that. That is weird. Yeah. But um, made up for by uh, just a run-through of various different zones that uh, I have drawn. I love this this bit. That basically, yet came to board just narrates the events of the first Sonic game. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, what have we got? Green Hill, Marble, Labyrinth, Starlight, Special, and I'm not sure what that one on the left is. No, it's just a room, isn't it? I suppose just it, a room. Maybe it's yeah, but Scrap it, Brain or something, but I don't think it's very clear. Nah. But yeah, it's just... So, and then, and the, the, best, the strip just ends going, and then Sonic 1 happened. And the yeah. footnote goes, see the first <laughs> classic Sonic the Hedgehog game for the full story. And yeah, it's just... it's just There's just something incredibly satisfying about the yeah. dedication to the lore and saying... I mean, yeah. and this goes... I mean, this at its heart goes back to the point we've been making since the first episode of this podcast, mm-hmm. is that... The games happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that, yeah. some weird version of the games. The games then happened. Yeah. You can put the cartridge in and that is canonical. You are reading STC in game form yeah. there. This was... Th- this really... This strip really connected with what I already wanted out of my Sonic. I mean, as far yeah. back as, like, issue three, I think I've told you I was trying to write something called Sonic the Story where I collated every... Every adventure Sonic had ever had into a single big like novelization on my Amiga, and that meant, Aww. and at the time that only meant stay Sonic and then three issues of a comic. Um, mm. And so as soon mm-hmm. as it stopped being doable, I abandoned it. But while I was doing it, I was thinking about okay, what happens between Stay Sonic and Sonic One? What how how does he meet Tails? And I hope I can. I hope the disc hasn't corrupted because. I will still have it somewhere, and I'll be able to find <laughs> out what my concepts were as to how these things happened. But one here, for the Patreons, exactly. But <laughs> here, here we are, and it, yeah, I, I loved this stuff getting filled in. Loved yeah, it. it is a shame that they couldn't make this a thing that they kept doing. Yeah, like this is this is only a three part serial. The next issue is the last part of this, and this is finally whenever the order of the strips kind starts to get shaken up because for twenty five issues now we've had. Two six-parters run in the middle of the comic, and then a, uh, and then the one at the end is out of sync. But now all three strips are out of sync, and you never know when a new story might start or stop. You know, the comic gets mm. a bit more random, a bit more free-for-all. The, the expected start-stop is, is shaken off a bit. It is a shame that they weren't able to do more of this, but there's not much more they could have done, because no. the only thing I can think of is, like, well, maybe now we'll do a Sonic's world that's like, let, let's have a story set in a zone we haven't covered. Well, you can use Sonic for that. So, really, what I would have preferred they do here, given that I like this is to just dive in and do a full Sonic 1 adaptation, make it an ongoing series, do a Sonic 2 adaptation, you know, fill us in on backstory, as it were. To be honest, though, I mean, even though we did get the comic adaptations of all the new games, Sonic CD, Sonic 3, Sonic and Oz, I kind of like that they didn't do full-blown adaptations of the first and second ones, because then it really is, if you want to see that story, put the game in your system... 
And then the game is part of this world for real. So all about that that cross-media illusion that that, yeah. that worked on us. Yeah, it did. Because Very we were nice. kids. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Fully immersive universe, and you've got to yeah. fill in any gaps with your own imagination. Not a heck of a lot worth talking about over the next couple of pages. Not even worth a jingle, really, is it? Um, we've got the advert for Sonic the Poster Mag number four that we saw last issue. It's the Q Zone again. It's the final part, finally, of the um, of the Sonic Chaos Guide. This one's the guide to the bosses, which they did in a Sonic poster mag already. <laughs> I'm surprised it needed doing once, but here it is done twice. <laughs> well, I guess maybe they figured they had to give the Sonic games the space in the magazine, you know? And yeah. the, the poster mag is a separate thing. But then I don't remember any kind of Sonic CD solution, so... No, me neither. Although, it does say at the end here, the end of the Sonic Chaos Solution. Coming soon, Sonic 3 solved. Oh, I'm interested in See, that. See, I'll probably be a bit more interested yeah. in that. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderboy! Wonderboy in Ghost World, Part 5, written by Mark Isles, art by Boyan Jukach, letters by Ella Fell. While the dinosaur ghosts roll dice to determine who's going to get the honor of killing Shion, Wordsmith is able to sneak into Dinodyne and rescue our Wonderboy from the cage holding him. The pair head for the Dinosaur King's palace, where they recover Lookout and turn her back from stone to flesh and blood again, but just as Shion is pouring a potion of ignorance down the sleeping king's throat, the Mesozoic Monarch awakens in a rage. I found this absolutely fascinating. <laughs> Anna, I'm, <laughs> I'm desperate to know what this was like for you. <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a time, Dave. It was a hell of a time. <laughs> so I'm coming in at part five. Um, with no idea, no background, Wonder Boy has not entered my consciousness in the same way that Sonic has. And it starts with the sentence, Shion the Wonder Boy, look out the cosmologist, and the poet Wordsmith have been captured by the dinosaur king in Ghost World. <laughs> what? <laughs> that is starting strong. Yeah, when you take a step back, that is a lot, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to take in. But what I took from it is that there's got a lot of um, nominative determinism going on here. So with a name like Lookout, what else could you become but a cosmologist you know obviously wordsmith was going to become a poet and that's backed up by the names of the dinosaurs in subsequent uh, yeah. panels we've got bone grinder flesh ripper gut sucker i think um there's a moment where he's kind of trying to appeal to their better nature so he's not realized the rules of the world he's in which is hilarious absolutely fascinating stuff well this latter half of wonder boys not quite hitting me like the first half no it's not as good is it I mean, it's still better than Demon World. Yeah. There's some good funny stuff in it. Like, yeah. um, you know, there's, what's it? What's his name? Gutsucker is charged with guarding the cage while the other dinosaurs go off to roll dice. And he's just drooling as he looks in at Shion. Oh, I haven't eaten flesh for tens of thousands of years. God, pipe your hand out of the cage. Now I wouldn't miss a finger or two. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple of little things that made me laugh. Um, one, uh, okay, see if I'm onto anything at all here. But when all of the action is sort of, been going on and we're at the bottom of the third page wordsmith is there again and he's going phew i wish dinosaurs had better personal habits and he's pinching his nose because mm. it stinks mm-hmm. and it was there was only one real time earlier in the strip where there was any smell was mentioned and it was him again yeah. when he yeah. was first coming towards uh dino town going like god it stinks in dino town and it well, occurred to sensitive, me sensitive you see well <laughs> it occurred to me what if it's just that toilet seat that he's carrying around? <laughs> because it's only him that seems to respond to there being a bad smell. And he's got... Because they went to the plumber guy who 
is now yeah. the sort of the blacksmith of oh the town, God, but he's so also that's a plumber. Not a shield. It is a shield, no, but it, it is, is a toilet seat. It is seat. a shield, but it's a toilet seat also. <laughs> Look, if you see at the top of the third page, um, if you have your scan there, um, how the, the sword has a tap attached to the handle. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. uh, basically all the supplies they bought were from a, a trading post from a guy who used to be a plumber in life, but converted all his supplies into adventurers' weapons and potions and things to sell to... That's awesome. <laughs> we get a bit of that cynical wonder boy, what a stupid nickname bit again, which I'm still not in favor yeah, of. Yeah, I thought you'd be annoyed with that, yeah. Yeah, That's but it's back. over and gone, and it... it um, when am I ever going to lose that dumb, dumb nickname? nickname? But it's over and gone, and it doesn't quite feel so out of place in this strip no. as it did in Demon World. Something about the tone of this whole one. Uh, because this is a sillier strip overall, yeah. yeah. It's like, no, t- yeah, he's in a silly situation and he's trying to take it seriously. <laughs> there was one weird bit that I wasn't sure about, mm. which was that um, it was the part where, so Lookout has I, been... I thought this is where you were going, yeah. Yeah, has been turned to stone and uh, Wordsmith just randomly finds a wand on a table and he goes, oh, it says stone to flesh on this wand, so he uses it and sure enough, it turns it back. And this is in the Dino King's has... throne room where all his magical artifacts and everything are. Like the one's not just literally lying there. I mean, it makes sense that yeah, the yeah. king would have something that could undo the the dinosaur magic that we saw before. But but yeah, mm-hmm. yes. But it does. Do, yeah, they just wrote on English in stone to flesh. <laughs> and and so when she turns back to flesh, mm-hmm. the dialogue, the, the the thing she says is dot 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 ard a r d. Yes, she was in the middle of saying a cuss word. I swear. <laughs> right. And so I cracked open the issue. No, no. And nope. I know. That no. ain't it. <laughs> no, nope, she's she saying, wasn't. Old, I'll give you. And then she turns to stone. So really, it should be old. Old you. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's what it is. Do we have an edit situation here? Did the script say, I'll give you old, you bass? <laughs> <laughs> I would uh, love that. No, I, I, I doubt it. We've had the... It's been 15 issues. We've had the, the trooper badnik almost say sh**. <laughs> you know, this is that... For children, it's a swear. It's that mentality. Naughty. That, um, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I probably did have that... <laughs> Swear. But uh, as an adult, I'm like, not in Wonder Boy, please and thank you. You've been doing really, really well. This serial has been a lot of fun, and there's just a few, just a few of that little cynical stuff creeping back in in this in this chapter. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically all I have to say about this. Yeah, uh, there's not a lot going on in this one. Um, yeah. Perhaps the fact that that it is just fighting a dinosaur is the reason they don't have yeah. room to be uh, as much fun as previous chapters have been. Still, as I say, still a marked improvement on Demon World. <laughs> Speed lines. Speed lines, boing. Doof, Another doof, jam-packed doof. one, this issue. Mm, lots and lots of uh, letters in this one. What jumps out? Nothing. Oh, well, here, okay. So here's one I really actually like. Uh, so uh, Ross Shannon from the Isle of Man has written in to say uh, the, the banner title on this one is Fatherly Advice. And you know we're at a point now whenever anybody sends in a letter yeah. about their dad, you kind of tense up. Um, Dear STC, I really dig the comic and think it's a real knockout. But one day my dad told me off for not reading something more educational. Oh, 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 tense, oh they're, tense. Getting, they're getting Snap magazine in their house. However, I later discovered him in the dining room with his head buried between the pages of STC. Now he reads it in the open and has never mentioned education again. Yeah, uh, victory. <laughs> and then Megadroid replies, what do you mean, Ross? This is part of your education. 
<laughs> That's nice, because we've had too many flung out of car windows and chucked a wallop and stuffed in the bin stories oh, no. about yeah. kids' dads yeah. and not uh. liking them reading the comics. So. And they're just like, well, dads will be dads. <laughs> in fact, there's a, there's a theme at work here of uh, winning over family members with uh, Chris Chris Sava from Basildon Essex's letter. My 19-year-old brother Michael reckons I'm wasting my money buying STC and says that other mags include more news, reviews, etc. I say he's wrong. I mean, he's not wrong. That is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a <laughs> the, review magazine yeah. does have more reviews. He's right. The three pound magazine he buys rarely includes the game reviews he wants, so he takes my comic complaining that it's a piece of junk after he's read it. I can't wait to see his expression when he sees this in print, as you don't know how often his letters have failed to get published in his precious magazines. Ooh. Revenge well. is sweet, Acris, says Megadroid. I don't imagine the brother's getting what he wants from the reviews in Sonic the Comic either. <laughs> No. No. Oh, no. Now I know you can pause the game. <laughs> what are my options here? There's a letter here headed, he's a cracker. Um, it's just about how proud they are of their son for finishing Sonic 3, despite his relatively young age. But look how good his jumper is. It's just a oh, big old wow. Sonic on a blue jumper, and I want it. <gasps> is Wait it a, a minute. Or is it a baggy t shirt? No, I think it's a jumper, and I think it's one of the ones that was advertised in an issue of STC. Do you remember? I think it might have been the one that Abby Denton was on. And Ooh, I got all I excited can't. about jumpers and t-shirts and things, <laughs> one of which had the full Sonic 1 title screen emblazoned across the entirety oh, of it. Oh, I do remember that. Amazing! Yeah, so I think, that, so what we've got is, the letter is, yes, our son Christopher had Sonic 3 on the release date of the 24th of February. Oh, posh. <laughs> Ooh, Monsieur says Mr. and Mrs. Morse. Ooh, Christopher Morse, if you're out there, write in. Or have your servants write in. Um, <laughs> and, and by the 5th of March, he'd completed it and had managed to collect all the Chaos Emeralds. Even though the game will by now have been completed by others, we wonder how many are just six years of age from Mr. and Mrs. Morth of Plymouth 7. And yeah, the photo is of little Lord Christopher <laughs> holding. <laughs> he's sitting on. Oh, is he? I think he's sitting on a little wee chair with his yeah. little red trousers. <laughs> oh. And he's got. Oh, <laughs> and you've hitting this kid on sight here, Dave. This is brutal. Oh, and he's holding Sonic 3. No, I like, I, I'm having a go, but it's pure jealousy. I would have been round your house every other day, Christopher. <laughs> yeah. The other drawing on the Speedlines page is from uh, Charlotte Briggs of Kingsland, yeah. who said uh, created a girlfriend for Dr. Robotnik, <laughs> Robina. A go-to favourite for STC send-ins. Just draw yes. the girl version of an existing boy character from Sonic. I don't believe they would ever send in the boy version of Amy, because I'm pretty sure that's That would be Sonic. Sonic. Yep. <laughs> yep. Remove the bow and skirt and turn it blue, and what have you got? It's oh, Sonic. Yes. Wait a minute. Uh, how many guys do you think sat down to do that? And then they were like, "I know, Wait yeah, a minute." But uh, this is this is quite an involved uh, ro- Robina. Yes. Robina. Yeah, with her curly hair and her daring cleavage and yep. very, very just round form. Pink, yep. Uh, yep. pink top instead of red. Uh, yeah. yeah. But with Green, the triangles. Uh, with the triangles, yeah, with the yellow triangles, green um, trousers uh, with the yellow uh-huh. buckles. Are those are those suspenders? Well, uh, I don't know. Oh, see, you're I don't right. Know what's going on below that? Yeah. Suspenders and stockings, I think. They're sexy suspenders. You're absolutely oh, right. Are, oh, they yeah. are, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, so sorry, they? I'm sorry. They're not green trousers. They're green no. pants. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then yeah, she's wearing she's wearing stockings and suspenders on her legs. Good gracious. <laughs> I'd me. Say. 
And a bow, yeah. a bow on her head. A bow on her head, well, because of that's how you can tell she's a girl. A bow on her head. Yeah. You know what? Know. Charlotte was learning some stuff about herself. It's okay. We shouldn't judge. <laughs> True. She's holding a handbag, and also she, uh, Charlotte's gone as far as to like draw each button on her top, like stretching, like bulging open. You can see the oh, gap yeah. between. Didn't realize each that's what that was. Yeah. There. So that's a, a very daring bit of cleavage. And then, but she doesn't have the, um, she's got quite a different face to Robotnik. She's got a more human face. So she's got the big Robotnik grin, mm, the but it's above, you know, a relatively realistic set of eyes and nose. Yeah. And then this odd, almost triangular curly hair that really sort of splays out at the sides. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of decisions have been made in the drawing of it. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's real thought that has gone into the character design here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As always, Charlotte, send us a message. Oh, please. Yeah. And I was so excited to see the water fun game below as well, because my cousins definitely <laughs> yeah. had these and I loved them. Did they? Yeah. Oh. Maybe they sent in letters. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> Just firing the little rings around, using the big button on the front. Fantastic. Wouldn't it be interesting if there was someone who got printed in STC and never found out because they'd stopped reading it by then. I'm sure it happened. I'm sure there must have been several cases must of that have. happening. Yeah. So, you know, because in some cases, a Sonic Water Fun game would have showed up and they'd be like, what's this? And <laughs> in oh, others... Where did this come from? <laughs> and in others, they, you know, would have moved house by then or whatever, so they never received it. And they didn't find out for 20 years. And then you happen. Well... <laughs> on this podcast! <laughs> Unlikely they will have found out in 20 years, to be honest, but yeah. Who are we left over with? Who we? Who haven't we done? Um, barrel of fun there in the bottom, and style <laughs> victim on the uh, bottom. The barrel is fun. The barrel of fun. fun. That's a song we used to sing in the nineties. It was maybe you did. It was off the uh, Daniel Hartley from Crofton and Wakefield has written in to say that he reads every issue uh, so many times he can recite the words of the text within a few days of buying it. And he's also going to use his STCs to cover a large keg. He's going to turn into a bin. That's weird. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are you on about? Is this? Like, have you literally memorized the comics yeah. so well that you're just going to sacrifice them on the altar of your bin? <laughs> <laughs> You don't bin. need them anymore. That you have them recorded. He's not even going to bring. He's not even going to put them up on his wall. He's going to put them on his bin. <laughs> yeah, he turned it into a bin, and not even a bin. <laughs> he hasn't got a bin. He's got a large keg. <laughs> what? That he wants to transform into a bin. Yeah, Megadroid's very supportive though, which is yeah. I'm surprised. I thought they would he would speak out against it. You know, yeah. make sure no copies of STC go in the bin. <laughs> You're cutting them up to pieces. It doesn't matter. Um, by the way, what's the seventh word in the third panel on page eight of STC thirteen? Just <laughs> testing. Dave, what is it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm no Daniel Hartley. <laughs> Couldn't even tell you what which one STC thirteen was. Thirteen's the E, the extra life. I know that much. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, well. hmm. Find out. What if they picked an important word? Yeah. What if they did? Wait. What if okay. this is a secret code? Okay. Okay. So, hang on. Like, I'm doing it <laughs> now. I'm doing it now. Hold on. Oh yeah. Well, we have to. When he says the eighth page. That's technically a review zone page if we don't count the covers. So we have to count the covers. But if we count the covers, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's the second to last page of the Sonic Strip. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Third panel, one, two, three. Seventh word, one, two, three, four, five. (laughs) (laughs) The word is pathetic. I doubt that's deliberate, (laughs) but, you know, art imitates life. Could have been a lot worse. (laughs) 
So I think we've just got one letter left now. Style victim. Oh yeah, this seems to be them trying to solve the problem of the pinups constantly having words on the front. You've mentioned yes. that before. Yes. Yeah, the, we have yeah. an axe to grind here, and so does uh, Andrew of Nuneaton. Andrew Senegin. It's got to be Senegin. Wait a minute! I know Andy! What? <laughs> I didn't even look at the name! Do you flipping mean it? Yeah, hang on, you've probably spoken to him on Twitter or at TFN. Oh my god. Oh, amazing. Dear STC, I would like to say how I enjoy the different styles of artwork in each issue. My particular favourites being Ferran Rodriguez, Richard Elson, and Casanovas. Also, my sister suggests that you put pin-ups in the centre pages and have advertisements on the reverse. We both think that sewn patches would make good free gifts. Andrew Seneshin, Nuneaton, Warwickshire. Mega Drive owner, Sonic Water Fun Game winner. And Mega Droid replies, Stay tuned, Andrew. The best free gifts are yet to come. Um, dodging the issue there somewhat. <laughs> We've said it before on the podcast that, yeah, you know, pinups and stuff should have ads on the back. SDC's pretty good about that, though. I can't think of any instances where they've put printed posters with comics on the back. Anything that, you know, any vital comic information has been lost when you took them out. I, I think Andy here is just guarding against them making that decision and then getting it wrong by putting comics on the back. Yeah, saying, it's like, now, you, before you, you think, I know what you're in there, but, yeah. <laughs> And hello, STCTP. <laughs> oh, these things come back and bite on the bum. This is a much older and not necessarily wiser Andy Seneshin coming to you now. At the risk of sounding like an embittered old man attempting to say what little credibility his younger self ever had, I'm going to say that the letter I just read for you there was very much edited from what was sent in. In part, no doubt, for brevity. I do like to go on a bit, to be fair and in part to save some blushes. I seem to recall that the main thrust of the piece would have been massively praising the early works of Nigel Kitchen and Richard Elson, and that I was particularly fond of storylines spanning multiple issues, as opposed to so much of the scattergun one-shot stuff filling up the first half dozen issues of the comic. Having been raised on Marvel UK, particularly Simon Furman's Transformers, bits of G.I. Joe, later on Overkill featuring Deathhead 2, Dark Angel, Knights of Pendragon, what have you, I love an epic, and I also love when those epic comic book stories have at least some visual consistency so precocious 13 year old me would have been strongly but fairly requesting that Kitching and Elson be kept on as a double act for these huge storylines the other guys mentioned I can't actually remember their work I can't even see anything on a quick skim through that would particularly have set my artistic bells jingling back then so it was probably a line like I appreciate you can't work the top talent into the ground so if you've got to do filler strips these guys that you've had were okay that said, I'm sure at least one of them got down with faint praise, so I was probably saying, guys, do better, please. But honestly, in fact, it was mostly just a lot of love for Kitchen and Elson. And given we're all here 25 years or more later, talking about a comic that went on to feature a heck of a lot of their work, I'd like to say Young Me was entirely vindicated in speaking up relatively politely for what he wanted to see more of. And also, I'm pretty sure we got so on patches eventually too. And my sister still has a denim jacket full of patches, pins and badges. And we still have the Tommy Sonic water game we won for getting printed. So it can't all be bad, can it? Uh, did you ever sew on a sew on patch? Ooh, no, you know what? I can't think of any sew on ones. I can think of some iron on ones. Oh, I don't think I can. No, I have definitely had a sew on Bart Simpson patch because I can remember exactly where I was and have bought on recently, on very recent, last year on vinyl, the tape that mum gave me that day to listen to of TV theme tunes in the car. <laughs> I don't know what else was going on. I don't know what was going on that day that mum was treating me to all sorts of weird stuff. I think I was being distracted from something. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, that's the end of Speedline. So thanks to Andy for uh, recording uh, that little message. Yeah. Hey, Dave, next issue. Next issue. Happy birthday. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. STC hits one, which means exactly. we're going to be one. We're going to be one. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, my word. We're going to merge and we're going to be one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Celebrate one year of Sega Pirate Thrills in STC number 27. That's genuinely quite exciting. I can't, I kind of can't believe that. Can you? I know. So, I don't know. Maybe we get some cake or something next week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Can you still get cake? <laughs> <laughs> These quarantine times Well, we have flour and we have eggs <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right You can make your own, I never thought of that yeah. Yeah. Sonic, trapped on the Miracle Planet And target of the deadly Metallics Wonder Boy, the amazing Climax to Ghost World The climax oh. already? I can't. I actually can't believe Wonder Boy's over already Doesn't it feel like it just started? Y- yeah what happened there? I'm, I'm going to be sad now because it's changed its format yeah. into something that I would have enjoyed. Aww. It's funny. Um, why do, Why does it feel like it's just started, though? Because it's been good this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just, I mean, obviously there are, what, two fewer parts this time. But um, oh. even then, you know, it's the same length as every other regular serial, but it really feels like it's just, yeah. poof, just gone. Yeah. Plus, Sonic's World, Streets of Rage, news, reviews, tips, and more. Join the party in SDC 27 on sale Saturday the 28th of May. No Sonic fan would miss it. They wouldn't, where would they? They wouldn't. They wouldn't? No. They actually, I mean, w- what kind of an idiot would miss the next, after, <laughs> after this? It like, there's a lot to enjoy in this. Streets of Rage was great, but it's all about that metallic story. We've oh, got to yeah. get more of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Doesn't even, it almost doesn't matter that it's the first, like, game adaptation in the series sonic cd by itself exciting foreign because nobody had it this mm. mega cd was yeah. way too expensive we just read about it in magazines yeah i mean well i do know one person who had it and that's christopher morse from <laughs> plymouth devon apart from him um, <laughs> but just the fact of how exciting that is never mind that it was just such a good comic that we yeah. need to see the next part i have such a memory of the next issue of getting the next issue of reading yeah. the next issue, of sitting on the steps on the front of my house on a lovely, <laughs> warm... I mean, what's oh. the 28th of May, so it wasn't quite the summer holidays yet, but the summer weather had arrived. That's yeah. one of those real... I can close my eyes and be there in that moment, yeah. and that, uh, opening it to that first page, I remember it so well. It was a very, very exciting time. Well, we're looking forward to it. We hope you're looking forward to it, too. Uh, And when you're looking to get it, you can get it on Apple Podcasts. And if you do get it there, please do leave us a review because it helps push us up through those weird algorithmic rankings. And we just like to read your nice comments. We do. As well as being on your usual PodScoop catching devices, you can find the actual MP3s for download on stctp.wigglehe.com. That is where you can get them slightly before they show up on iTunes. They tend to release them at 7 in the morning on a Friday. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Sonic Podcast. Somehow we got that. (laughs) And uh, we are on there individually as well. I am at Chris McFeely. I am at Demon Tomato Dave and... And I am at Boots Magoot. And thank you, Anna, very much for coming on. Yeah! Thanks for coming. This has been a good laugh. Thank you so much for having me. What was your impression then of the first issue of Sonic the Comic that you read from top to bottom in your own hands? With your own eyes. <laughs> with my own eyeballs that I own. Um, <laughs> I thought it was joyous and there was a lot more to it than I expected, honestly. But I want to see more from Amy, so I'm going to have to tune in again. Yeah. Yes. Which of the four strips was your favourite? I think it was Streets of Rage. 
I think that um, appeals best to an older audience. I thought you'd say Streets of Rage. This yeah. is a very mm, strong Streets yeah. of Rage to come in on, yeah. Well, there's plenty of others for you to go back and have a look at, and then forward <laughs> and have a look at. Yeah, fantastic, I will. Join us on this journey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in now. I'm in for the ride. You got anything you want to plug? Um, for any of you who are into etymology and want to know more about words, where they come from and why we use them, please tune in to What's in a Name podcast. That's on Apple Podcast. it's on Spotify, it should be findable. It's the one attributed to Anna and James. It's on Twitter at WIAN Podcast. You can just find us wherever. Go and listen to that. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, then you can support it. There are still no actual rewards for doing so, but uh, you can. And then we'd be like, great, thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's at patreon.com forward slash STCTP. If you like the theme tune, you can support that because that is synchronized by Sonic the Comic the Band. You can find them, you can find the song at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But they are that. We are this. And what is this? Sonic the Comic, the podcast is what is this. And we will be seeing you here again next time. For birthday celebration. Birthday celebration! Whee! <laughs> Pop. <laughs> and that's the Wonder Guide up. <laughs> Pop. Pop. <laughs> <laughs> the world's least enthusiastic party popper. Jubilant. Party pooper, I believe those are called. Using a Mobius ring that had been imprinted with the original Dr. Kinterbor's brain patterns in the explosion. <laughs> Don't move the text around while I'm reading it, Chris. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Start again.